winter is coming. Winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone. That is not PA's intro, Nordo. No, it is not. We'd be playing, uh, well, it's Sanford and Son into some Bill Withers. Yeah, some smooth jazz. Smooth jazz. Uh, That is uh, War Machine, and not that I'm a big war guy or anything, but my name is Mike Rim, in for PA. PA is gone today. He's doing some prep, I assume, for the Panthers and the Vikings, the Purple and the Panthers coming up on uh, Sunday. So here we are, ready to roll. We have... We have a, a trio here. We have Nordo, we have Ryan Donaldson, and we have Grimm. Yes. All it takes three people to uh to to, to fill, I guess, what is normally guy. two two people. Name a more people. iconic trio. Yeah. I'll wait. Exactly. There isn't. There isn't. That is that is uh, the most iconic trio. Uh <laughs> so here we are. We're ready to go. Uh no PA today, and we're gonna cover a gamut of things. Nordo's done a nice job of uh, of, of getting us some guests here. We'll have Pat Micheletti coming up this hour. We'll talk wild and gopher hockey, and there's stuff to talk about with both those teams. Obviously, we want to talk some Vikings. We'll do that next hour. We'll also talk some gopher football. We have A.J. Monsoor in to talk Vikings, and we have Ryan Burns, who will uh, chat with us. They have a huge recruiting weekend this weekend, like 30-some recruits coming in. Alita Palooza or something like that. trying to craft his own team. No doubt about it. And so Bernsey will get us updated on that, and then we'll uh, talk some hockey as well coming up uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. We were hoping and we think we'll have Michael Russo. Michael Russo from out west. Yes. Hopefully avoiding those wildfires. I saw a video from yeah. people traveling on the 405 South on Twitter yesterday. Looks like they're driving into hell. Are you talking about the nighttime video, Nordo? Yeah, or, did you see the, that? It looks like the entire mountain is ablaze. Yeah, it looks, looks terrifying. like a scene out of Independence Day. It's nuts, and they even last night they were asking the Wolves. The Wolves, of course, were out there last night taking on the Clippers. They won that game, uh, held on for dear life to win it, but they got the win nonetheless. And after the game, much of the question, 
uh, questioning was about, hey, what what do you think about the fires? Wow. And the Wolves were like, well, yeah, it's awful, but... I wonder how the air quality was there in the, in the stadium at Staples Center. Because I know UCLA had to cancel their basketball yeah. game, and well, I wonder if the Wild get in their game tonight in Anaheim. I was listening uh, oh, oh, this morning. I got in uh, early here this morning for work, so I was listening to the overnight show on the drive-in as it Ben Maller, and uh, they were talking about they were wearing masks during the commercial break or something. Because they're based out there. They couldn't wear the mask, obviously, while they're on the air, but during the commercials they're putting masks on mm. and all kinds of weird stuff. And, man, you feel for that. Uh, one of the when, when I worked in St. Louis uh, before I got here, uh, and, they, and they actually had NFL football in St. Louis when I was down there, the, the Rams and their PR guys uh, at that time, very famous PR guy named Rick Smith, and he came to the Rams from the Chargers, so he still had a home in San Diego, and this would have been the mid Early to mid two thousands, they had some really bad wildfires in San Diego, and he had this basement full of all this memorabilia, like Dan Fouts autograph stuff, oh, and yeah. Kellen Winslow, and old L.A. Rams, and it all got the place done. all gone. I mean, just devastating. So you you feel for that hope. And these are they. This is as close from the sounds of it as they've ever gotten, right? To to what you're what we you would call like the city. I think so. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, our best there, no doubt. Uh, you know, if you were a Minnesota sports fan, or if you are a Minnesota sports fan and you planned ahead, you could have had a pretty good week, aside from the wildfires in L.A. The, the uh, Wild are playing a couple of games out there. Right? they got Anaheim and the Kings. Anaheim and, tomorrow night. And then they have San Jose Boston or somebody Kings, later. San Jose you, know, you wouldn't want to necessarily go there. But then the Wolves had uh, the Clippers last night. So you could have gotten two Wild games and a Wolves game. If, if, if California, your, your thing, and you're a, a sports fan from Minnesota, might have been the time to do it. Yeah, if you're into sixty degree weather versus <laughs> you, you know the eight? hour you know the the hour commute that you've had to endure the last couple of days with the snow. Is this right? Three degrees right now? Might be. Oh, That's I think what it was. Maybe when we woke up this morning, it's it was like twelve on okay. my drive in. Yeah, We're maybe, at like maybe my uh, my app hasn't updated. Yeah, yeah, it was three degrees. That's it's eleven now here, according to yeah, according to my app. A that, balmy eleven. Yeah, we we should have all gone to L.A. How excited were you, Mike, when you found out? Okay, you know, PA this time of the year, it's uh, use them or lose them vacation days, yeah. and holiday shopping, and things like that. Right. So PA is is taking a staycation day, uh, <laughs> and then you know, Vox of the Gophers, both football and hoops. You get the you're you're going to be in here for three hours. How excited were you? to talk about the big win in Lincoln for Gophers Hoops. I, I, I learned a little lesson, Nordo, no doubt about it. I, I did not, and, and this, is, this is a topic that I might cover a little bit later on, you have to learn not how to be a sports fan necessarily, but you, I, I think the assumption was, and I fell into it a little bit, the Gophers are ranked now, so they're going to win every game. They'll be like 30-0. and 0. Well, we know they're not going to do that. But the idea, so this is my 12th year doing Gopher basketball. We've gone through a few lean years over the course mm. of time. So I've never assumed anything ever, like this is a win. But I will admit, I the idea of losing that game Tuesday night didn't really enter my head that much. I felt pretty comfortable about the game. I do think Nebraska's better than people think. I saw a lot of people saying, hey, they lost to a terrible Nebraska team. I don't think they're terrible. I mean, everyone they has got a that big Glenn Watson. Yeah, kid. he That's had a, a big badass. night. Um, they've got a couple of other players that are new, uh, and it's going to take a while for them to meld together. Now they have a killer schedule. Uh, the next couple of weeks, they play at Creighton Saturday. They play at Kansas. They have the Gophers. They played Florida State and Michigan State. But that win against Minnesota on Tuesday will help them for a number of reasons. But it gives them confidence. 
Could they be what Minnesota was last year? I don't think they can jump like that. Remember, the Gophers won eight two years ago and 24 last year. I don't think Nebraska is ready for that kind of a jump, but I don't think they're as bad as we thought. Like Most people had them pick 13th or 14th in the league. It'd be them or Rutgers to finish last. Maybe that's how it turns out, but I think they're going to, first of all, that's a really good home court edge, and I thought the Gophers did look shell-shocked early. They didn't, I think they were surprised by the physicality of Nebraska. Uh, I think they were surprised that they weren't, and again, it sounds and it sounds like belly. I know Nate Mason was quoted about the officiating. They didn't like it, and it sounds like excuse making. The Gophers didn't play very well. There's no doubt about that. And and in the second half, I didn't think the officiating was was a factor. I did think early in the game the officiating got to them, and I get you have to go above and beyond it, but you also get frustrated. I mean, these are high paid professionals. Yeah, that are that that just didn't do a very good job. Sure, and it's okay to criticize that. Uh, I think people think, oh, man, Homer, guy says it was a bad call. I, I don't think there's a conspiracy against the Gophers. But I also think as a reporter and a play-by-play guy, if you see bad stuff happening, these guys aren't getting – it's not like they're you know junior varsity guys making 35 bucks to referee an eighth-grade game. They're making big six-figure incomes in a national spotlight on a national stage with a nationally ranked team live up to the billing, and they were sure. atrocious in the first half but for both teams, but they yeah. really got to the Gophers early, and the Gophers do have to overcome that. There's no doubt they have to overcome that, but be Big Ten refs. Yeah. And they weren't. They were terrible. Do you think this was a good game? I mean, I look at refing, whether it be in Big Ten football yeah. or in Big Ten hoops, which we're about to see a bunch of here into the wintertime. I mean, bad refing in these games is going to be as common as a, as a wet spot yeah, on the court. It, I mean, I mean, it, so it's going to be average. Yeah, the Big Ten has not they, they've not strived to, to recruit veteran officials. They have been more of a mentoring league, so hey, we're going to bring in some guys from the MAC and try to develop them. Well, you're the Big Ten. that you, you Let them develop in the MAC, and sure. once they get good enough, bring them in. That, that's a whole other topic. I don't want to go down that road, but it it um yeah it it's a it it's an issue it's a problem and it's a hard job because these guys are really good yeah and even they'll you know they'll miss they'll miss things because it it the moves so fast but what Minnesota has to do and I think it's right is not be affected by it Murphy comes out with with a like a broken nose I mean he didn't break his nose but he got smacked across yeah. the face and 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 knocked down to the ground on one of the shots and I think it affected him he was yeah. one for his first nine it got him off their game and from that the tone was set and they never they never were a factor and that's disappointing the bench is not a factor that has to be a factor and and we can talk about that as well but the the point being just because you're ranked 20th and maybe the Gophers fell into this doesn't mean you can just Waltz in, right. sleepwalk in, and win a game. And I'll admit, it doesn't happen very often in my mind because I think always, you know, you could lose the game. But I, the idea that the Gophers would lose that game, it did not enter my mind much. I thought, okay, this this one will be in hand. This is a, a game they'll win. And Nebraska really controlled the game. And I, yeah, like I said, did. I think they're better than than we think. Now, Nebraska. maybe you'll appreciate this because I like to spin the way of the positive, and mm-hmm. especially looking at Saturday when they go to Arkansas. Maybe it's good that this team walked in with swagger, feeling like, okay, we've done it. Yeah. We've made it. And we had the bad loss to Miami, but Nebraska ain't Miami type of feeling right. or arrogance that they And then they get smacked in the face. Right. That's a good thing in the, at this time of year because now if they start to realize and it, and it works for them, then it's like, okay, Murphy knows, like, for me, the double-double streak is real cool, and that's extended after the Nebraska game regardless, whatever. 
but this is what I got to do because now I'm a marked man. Right. Last year we were the eight-win team that's that jumped a little bit, and it was a real cute story if you follow Big Ten basketball. Now we're a damn good team, mm-hmm. and we are a marked operation every single night. I mean, the Rutgers, the Illinois, everybody wants to beat Minnesota right now. Yep. When you talk about good teams in the Big Ten, it's going to be Michigan State. You know, I don't know, it, would it be Michigan State, Purdue, and Minnesota, and, and Minnesota yeah. essentially. Wisconsin's taking a huge drop, it looks yeah. like, after Lost losing again half last their night. team. Yeah. From a year ago. So every single night, yes. we're going to get people's best. And starting with Saturday in Arkansas, they acknowledge it. And they can't just come in going, yeah, these threes, you know, Amir Coffee clanking threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, some mm-hmm. awful shots. And we know he's better than that. So now they yeah. just got to go do it. I think that there's something to be said for that. They should have known that. But I do think, you know, sometimes you take your, your lick and move on. And I also think sometimes, and this is, again, kind of the educating of the sports fan base. Again, just because you're ranked 20th, they're not... It doesn't mean you just roll out and win. And I even think from a fan standpoint, sometimes you just have a night. I mean, they threw in some shots that they don't normally make. Minnesota uh, was clanking things. Uh, They clearly were frustrated. There was a lot of double teams and and, and all kinds of stuff that they weren't, uh, I'm not saying they weren't ready for, but they just got thrown off their game. They were never in rhythm. Tim Miles is a good coach. Tim Tim Miles had a good game plan. There's no question about that. And so sometimes, sometimes you just say, hey, eh, terrible night. Perfect. On to Arkansas. You know, move along. Flush yeah. that and let's move along. Uh, and, and, and you hope that you learn from it. But there's no doubt that that is part of it. They have to learn. And Patino, every time I interview him, will say, we have to play the right way. If we play the, this, this program hasn't been at this point for a few years now where if you play the right way, they're good enough that they'll win most nights. But they're not so good. They're not like Duke, number one Duke, that's probably going to go like 27 and three. They're not going to. Golfers might lose 10 games, right? I mean, it's possible that they'll. Then who knows? Maybe more if they really. I saw that Kansas fall lost down. to Washington last night. Yeah, so I mean, a little surprise. So it, it 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 isn't just a guarantee. But that said, if you bring your A game and you're the number 20 team in the country or whatever they are, I think they're probably the you know my mind 14th. Or yeah, something but I think they're week. probably the 15th to 20th best team in the country Which somewhere in there. Maybe even like like Ken Palm who does the prognostic, it's more of a predictive formula. Yeah. Uh, he has them at 26. So, you know, let's say they're a top 30 team. If you bring your game, and this is why Patino's always say, play the right way. If you play the right way and you're the you know a 25th team in the country, you're going to win most nights. But that if you're the 25th team, I don't think you can get in your mind, well, we're going to win most nights. Right. You have to do it. And they didn't bring it the other night. And on the road, and that environment was really good for, for Nebraska, you lose. But... Uh, Bud Walton Arena will be ready to roll. There's no doubt about that on Saturday night. 5.45, weird uh, tip time, 5.15 pre. I don't know, are we on the fan or are we on uh, News Talk? That would be on Saturday. Yeah, I wonder. I'll check the schedule over here. I think it'll be News Talk. We okay. have we have Army-Navy that day. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's why a, I'm leaving. That's you. why you're going to take off on us here in a few minutes. You yeah, and uh, J- JG, man. Huh? JG and I will get to hear an hour on uh, tomorrow night, I believe starting at 7.00. Uh, our uh, Army Neighbor interviews. We're doing Radio Row in Philadelphia yeah. starting tomorrow, and then around noon you'll hear another hour of interviews leading up to uh, Army Navy. It's it's one of the coolest trips. Ever. See, yeah, Army Navy game though. It's afternoon, right? Because it looks like we'll we will carry the Gopher game on the fan. Nice. Oh, here we go. Yeah. All right, big time. So Army Navy game wraps up. Lead into Gopher pregame show. Grimmer with the call. Yes, sir. Tollickson alongside from uh, Fayetteville. Team will leave tomorrow. So all right, we we got to take a break, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Let's so do West that. Bend Mutual Insurance lineup is Russo eleven thirty five. Yes. Uh, Ryan Burns go for Illustrated on the big recruit dinner slash uh, PJ Fleck and Company ten fifteen. Yep. 
A.J. Mansoor, our own, on the Vikings. And then uh, Pat Micheletti coming up next in the studio. Talk some puck. Hell yeah. All right, sounds good. In for PA, I'm Mike Grimm. You're listening to The Fan. Just a lot. I'm going to break out here for the LA Kings. It really is. We made a nice play with it. Just poke, poke, check their way, but one right off of Pearson. He was just coming to the front of the net. And then the uh, onslaught was on. I know they got an empty netter late. It ended up 5 2. Minnesota led 2 1 at one time. And they've been the. Uh, had some bad goals, and I know we talk about it a lot. 4-2 was the final. I say 5-2. 4-2. No, it was 5-2. You I had it, it was right. 5-2. Yeah, they, they added an empty netter. Yeah, 5-2. Yeah. Uh, Kings beat them. Uh, and the Gopher hockey team has also had a similar uh, uh, problem where they just give up a couple of bad goals and the offense is sputtered. So we're going to talk some puck here. Pat Micheletti, one of our favorites, a former Gopher, former NHLer, and uh, a Minnesota's very own, and of course uh, uh, has been on uh, KFAN a lot, and he has the uh, a podcast with, uh, with our guy Tenna. Uh, Pat, how are we doing? Good, Mike. How are you? Doing really well. If, if folks are just joining us, PA off today, so Mike Grimm uh, is filling in, and we've got Pat Micheletti uh, to talk with us. All right, let's talk wild first. I do want to get into some gopher hockey. They've got a big weekend as well uh, at Ohio State, trying to right the ship a little bit, are the gophers in the Big Ten. Uh, but let's talk pro hockey to start. And the the wild a year ago at this time, Pat, were second in the NHL in goals scored, 16th now this year. Uh, A year ago at this time, they were in playoff position in the midst of a 12-game win streak, and they sit 10th out of the playoff picture as we look. What's been the difference? Well, uh, I mean, let's let's talk about last year. Last year they were a a well-oiled machine. Night in, night out, you knew what you were getting. They played the same way every night. Everyone was in sync. Everyone knew what their job was. They were getting balanced scoring. Uh, their defense was, was uh, impenetrable, uh, and they got great goaltending. Well, you change seven players, and you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a different team. And, and let's face it, they, they are a different team. That doesn't mean to say that they're better or worse. Uh, right now, they're probably on the, on the worst side of it. Um, but, but they're a different team. Um, you have, uh, you know, three defensemen that are in their lineup now that, that hardly played last year. And I'm talking about Olafson, Mikey Riley, and, um, and Ryan Murphy, who they signed uh, uh, over the summer. So right there, you know, when you have three new defensemen, it, it's, it's, a different, uh, it's a different deal. And, and with Jared Spurgeon out now, that certainly doesn't help the trade of Marco Scandella. So on, on your back end, it, it, it's a big, big difference. And, and when you, you know, when you're not uh, playing the way that they did last year, obviously, you know, you're going to have some, some flaws on that back end. Now, not not just to, to blame the, the defense because, you know, the, the general manager came out and said our forwards have to start helping out a little bit, and, and that is the truth. Um, uh, you know, they haven't been very good in their own end uh, to, to help the defense. And, and then, up, uh, you know, up front when you talk about their, their offense, they're, they're not getting a lot of production from a lot of guys, Nico Koivu, I think it's uh, between what 15 and 18 games. I don't have the exact number without a goal. And when he's a top six guy, you know, you expect 
more out of your top six guys. We kind of give him the excuse because he does so many other things for your, for the team. Okay, that's fine, but uh, but there's other guys that 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 have to start scoring. And and quite frankly, Mike, um, they're they're just not in sync right now, and they have to find they have to find an identity that is going to help them win. It's certainly not the one that they employed last year, uh, and so they're um, you know they got some work to do. Uh, we heard the, uh, the the unlucky bounce, so to speak, of the yep. uh, of that goal just as we we brought you on the air. And there have been a few of them. I think, admittedly, there have been a few of them. But at what point is it? I mean, at what point is it? You have to overcome those, or at what point is it? Uh, I mean, is it just uh, is this team really that unlucky? What what's your what's your take? Because in hockey, well, you always have these bad bounce goals. It's just a matter of how many you can avoid. Yeah, they, and, they, and they score yourself. Right? They, they, yeah, they happen to everybody, and you know they they've come in a couple games here, but. You know you can't you cannot use that as an excuse um, because you can you can you can break down film all day long, Mike, as you very well know with the sports that that, that you cover, um, and and you can find well we could have had one here, could have had one here. You know a lot of woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? And uh, and so I mean that that that's part of the game, and 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 you you know you can't if you start looking at that as the reason why you lost. Then you're really, then you've really got issues, and and you really have got problems. But you know, it, there's still enough time. They're, they're, they are in what tenth place, and, and you know, a few teams ahead of them or eleventh, whatever the, whatever it is. But but there's a bunch of teams that are jumbled. You know, the key is is to find their game and 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 try to get on. You know, a little roll. Last year they won twelve in a row. You know, which which catapulted them up in uh, up in the standings and you know, solidify their playoff spot. But listen, they, they have a lot of work to do. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if I, if we see a few changes, if they can, uh, very difficult with the, um, with the salary cap situation that they're in. But, uh, you know, they, you know, it just boils down to finding the game that's going to fit them to win hockey games. What uh, what are we hearing on Zach Parisi and uh, how much? Obviously, when when you have one of your best players out for yeah. the whole year, how much has that had an impact? And when uh, when and what can we expect? I mean, obviously, it's a nobody knows. No one has a crystal ball. But right. what are your thoughts? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, they, they I mean, they obviously they, they miss a guy like that because you know, in games that you're down, you you got your hardest worker, you know, working hard, and guys seeing that on the bench. And that's gonna, you know, and that's gonna, um, you know, help the rest of the team get into the games. But um, you know, he also helps them from a depth standpoint, and you know, and, and, and the goal scoring, and you know, the whole, the whole ball of wax. And so when you miss a guy like that, it it it, it certainly hurts your lineup, hurts your depth. Um, you know, you wouldn't see Winnick up on the top line, let's say, with with Stahl and Niederreiter. He'd be back where he should be on the fourth line. Um, but because of injuries like that, you've got a guy up there that. You know, you're not going to get much production from. So um, it it certainly hurts. I I don't know. I've seen clips of him skating, um, but skating and taking the pounding that he does, I think they're obviously going to be extra careful. If if you know, if we see him back in a month from now, I think that's a win for the Wild. Uh, but I, I'm not holding my breath. Right. Uh, hey, Pat, can you hang with us through a break, and we'll come back. Certainly we'll can. talk some uh, gopher hockey when we come back. Well, we, I got one more follow-up on the Wild as well, so we'll yep. invite everyone to stick around. It's Pat Micheletti here on PA. Mike Grimm in for PA today. Stay with us on The Fan. The Fan in FM. Running a small business can be demanding. The more you grow, the more you have to coordinate. There's more inventory, more employees 
more customers. That's why small business owners need more from their internet service. The GigSpeed network from Comcast Business gives you more, with speeds up to 20 times faster than what most people have. That means powering more employees on multiple devices, more video conferencing, and more downloads in seconds, not minutes. Plus, when you get fast internet with download speeds up to 1,000 megabits per second, you can add TV and phone for your business for just $34.90 more per month. Comcast is building America's largest gig speed network to give small businesses more. Call 1-800-501-6000 to join or visit business.comcast.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offerings 122117 restrictions apply. Limited one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required requires Comcast business internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment taxes and fees extra compares up to one gigabit per second to 50 megabits per second downloads. Join Tennessee and Jordan Leopold as they broadcast live on Friday, December 8th from Jimmy's Food and Drink in Vadnais Heights before the Wild Take on Anaheim. Details at KFAN.com. Keyword events presented by Michelob Golden Draft. Talking wild and gopher hockey. Welcome back. Mike Grimm in for PA today. Nine to noon affair. Ryan Donaldson and Eric Nordquist helping out. We have Pat, uh, Pat Micheletti on the line. We've talked wild hockey. We're going to talk gopher hockey here in a minute. They also have a big weekend set. Anaheim tomorrow for the wild. 8.45 right here on the fan. The pregame with our buddy Kevin Fullness and then uh, Bob and Tom have the call at 9 from, uh, do they? what is it, the pond they call it, right? Isn't it? The pond? In Anaheim? Yeah. The duck pond? Something like that. Sure. I think so. I think so. Pat, is it the pond? Is that what they call it? I believe it is. All right. I well, believe it is the pond. If it's not, we'll, we're going to we're going to call it that. <laughs> yeah, um, let's call it that. We'll we'll rename it if we have to. <laughs> last one on the wild for you before we yeah. get into maroon and gold. Uh, your, th- I mean, hey, look, it's December what seventh, so we got all kinds of hockey yet. If you had to stake uh, your life savings to it right now, in or out playoffs, this team, right, this this team as it stands now, out, out. Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I just, um, you know. There's a lot of parity in the West, obviously, and the West is is a real, real tough, um, you know, tough conference. Um, I just, you know, when I when I look at their, when, they they need some help. They need to make a couple changes. I think um, what, whether they are able to get it done, I I don't know if they'll be able to do that, but we'll we'll see. Um, but like I said, when you're when you're playing on the back end with three guys that really haven't played a lot of minutes, uh, and Jared Spurgeon out right now and. I'm not sure when he's going to get back. I I think, um, you know, I think right now it's going to be awfully tough for them to do it. But you know what? I I I hope I'm wrong. Um, they have the ability to do it, uh, but I think they need to do a little bit a little bit more tweaking, um, and we'll see what happens. All right, sounds good. Again, tomorrow it's Anaheim and Minnesota. Yep. All right, let's shift gears to the college hockey scene for a few minutes yep. here. We'll talk to Golden Gophers, and we may get into some other uh, state of Minnesota teams because certainly uh, St. Cloud State ranked second is, is worthy of some discussion. And uh, I know Without there's some, you know, Minnesota Duluth, uh, I think, played Denver last weekend, and 
uh, and and we know how good Denver is, and I think Duluth yep. lost a pair of one-goal games. We'll get into that in a moment, um, but first okay. let's, let's talk uh, uh, Don Lucia's crew. Um, three of the last four have gone the wrong way in Big Ten play. This is a team that many thought, and maybe still can, uh, win the Big Ten. Um, it seems to me like they've also kind of fallen victim to a couple of bad bounces, but that said, they are struggling like the Wild to find the back of the net. Yeah, they are, and uh, and and, and that that's kind of surprising to me because um, they've got some high enders up front. I mean, you know, you look around the country and and, and you look at their top six forwards, and they're as good as anybody in the country. Uh, but the problem is, you know, they're they're not good unless you score goals. And uh, a couple guys are struggling up front. They certainly had uh, had their chances. Uh, let me let me say this. They they are a different team than they were in October. They're much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know their D started out really struggling, and now they've gotten they've gotten better back there. They're getting more offense uh, from their defensemen, um, and and it, and just you know up front there's some guys that that are still trying to find their game. Uh, Casey Middleton has been terrific. Rem Pitlick has been really really good. Um, they can get more out of Tyler uh, Tyler Sheehy uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, Tommy Novak has been good at times and, you know, so, and, and not so good at times. So there's some consistency problems, but, uh, but they are playing uh, a heck of a lot better. And, and listen, Wisconsin, who they had in last weekend, um, under Tony Granado, they have done a terrific job in the time that he's taken over. And this is his second year. And from where that program was and where they are now, you know, that's a real good, real good hockey team. So, um, you know, it, it, both games could have gone either way and it ended up, uh, with a split like I thought it would be. And so, but, uh, but they're coming and, and the Big Ten Conference is much, much better than it has been in the past. Um, you know, Minnesota sitting in, in third place right now, uh, in the conference, but, uh, you know, there, there's some good teams ahead of them and there's, and there's some good teams behind them. So, uh, it's a much better conference. Yeah, seventh in the country, Minnesota, third in the league. Right. So that that tells you a little bit. And Notre Dame, remember they lost two the week before, the weekend before at Notre Dame, which is a member yep. of the Big Ten. Uh, right. And Notre Dame has, I think, surprised some people. And I think was it the Friday night game, Minnesota like outshot them what forty four to twenty or something. But just yeah, they did. It was, it, it was a bad goal, and, and the goal that uh, Notre Dame score, scored it was it was kind of tipped up in the air, and and no one really even saw the puck. The goaltender didn't see it when it over in. And drop down over his shoulder and in the back of the net. And but you know what? You can't use that as an excuse. You lose the game one nothing. If you don't score, you're not going to win. And uh, and so it, it's about bearing down. Sometimes you're going to face a good goaltender, but you know ultimately, uh, big time players score big time goals, and uh, and they have some, but they haven't quite thrown the back of the net yet. Pat Micheletti with us here on The Fan. Mike Grimm in for PA. We're glad you're with us talking college hockey. And uh, you mentioned the Big Ten being better. It was two years ago the Gophers were the regular season champions of this conference, lost in the championship game of the Big Ten tournament, and did not make the NCAA tournament, right, if memory serves me correct? That that is correct. And now two years later, this is a seven-team league. Could we see four or five teams out of this league get into the the, uh, bracket when it's all said and done? Well, you know that that you know it, that's tough, and it's tough in the in the in the West. Um, I don't. I, I think maybe three. I don't think we'll yeah. see four um, because you know the NCHC is, is so good. You know, with all the all the teams in the yeah. West. Yeah. Um, you know, might be the, probably is the best conference in the country, um, and so it. You know, you, you get sixteen teams in only, and it's you know it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough and. You know, you've got to take care of your non-conference games. Minnesota has done that pretty well. 
uh, split with North Dakota, um, and they uh, swept Clarkson. So, um, you know, you, you've got to uh, you got to take care of your non-conference games because they're so important in the pairwise rankings. Yeah, Notre Dame uh, and 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 Minnesota and uh, and now Ohio State. Who um, has Ohio State disappointed a little this year, or is, are they where you kind of thought they'd be? And this is an important road trip here for the Golden Gophers. Yeah, well, it, it is because it's the last conference series, and, and, and you'll be halfway through the the, uh, the conference season uh, after this weekend. And uh, yes, it is. Ohio State can't win at home. Uh, but Minnesota hasn't won on the road or can't win on the road. So yeah, it'll, something's got to give, right? But no, they're, they're, they're really talented offensively and got some really high end guys. Uh, they've been struggling a little bit defensively, like, you know, a lot of teams do, but, um, it's, it's really, really important series for Minnesota. A, they, they need to find a way to win on the road. And then the, secondly, you know, they've got to get some guys going. They got to get some guys, you know, that are uh, scoring consistently. And, you know, to me, you know, their power play is getting better. Uh, but, you know, you win in, in college hockey and pros and anywhere with your special teams. Penalty kill is better. Uh, power play is getting there. Not quite there yet. But with the number of guys that they have, the high-end guys, it, it should be, you know, in that 22 to 25% range. So uh, they got to get a couple things going. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a real, real important weekend for this team. Gopher Hockey uh, on down the hallway here at Twin Cities News Talk, uh, AM 1130 and FM 103.5. Tomorrow night, uh, Wally will have the call. I think it's a 5.30 face-off tomorrow and then a 7 o'clock face-off uh, with Wally and Frank here on uh, on the iHeart family of stations, Twin Cities News Talk, uh, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Uh, let's shift gears quickly. You and I, I, I last saw you in person, I think was the night of the exhibition game at Mariucci, uh, the correct. Gophers, I forget who, some team from Canada they were hosting, uh, and you told me that night that St. Cloud State was a Frozen Four team, you had, yep. you were very sure of it, and it looks like that, I mean, who knows how it turns out, but uh, they have not disappointed uh, with what you put on them as the expectation. What has Bob Motzko got going up there in St. Cloud? Uh, just, a, just a terrific team, and, and, and uh, I'll talk about the series here quickly this weekend, it's going to be a, uh, probably the best series in college hockey this weekend which you can see uh on fsn plus friday and fsn on saturday jim rich and i will be on the call for the for these two games but they have um north dakota in town who's second in the in the nchc right now right behind uh st cloud but uh yeah um st cloud is very deep four lines deep in fact they have they have, you know, they sit out two forwards who could be in any lineup in the country right now. Um, they, they've got very mobile defensemen, and they just come at you in waves. And, and Bob uh, and his staff have, have done a terrific job uh, with that team. And, and North Dakota's North Dakota, year in and year out. Um, they just keep reloading, and it, it is going to be uh, just a, a terrific series up in St. Cloud this weekend. And remind me who your other three preseason picks for Final Four were. I remember you said St. Cloud State. I think you had the Gophers yep. in there, right? I, I had, I had, I had, uh, I had St. Cloud. I had Minnesota. I had Denver, and I had Boston University, which I have now taken Boston University out of that mix. You kicked them and to the curb. It, yeah, and, you know, and I picked them early, but I, you know, I think Harvard. After seeing Harvard here, even though Minnesota swept them, I think by the time they start later in the Ivy League, and. Uh, once they put everything together, I think they're going to be a tough out um, to beat. And, and Minnesota has some work to do too. Now, you know, if you, you know, you, you know, I watch Notre Dame play. You know, Notre Dame is is one of those teams that, yeah, you say it could be there, 
because they defend so well and they got great goaltending. But uh, I don't know if they score enough goals. Uh, and I think, you know, a team like Minnesota could eventually uh, overtake them uh, when it comes down to, to that sort of thing. So we'll see. But it's uh, it's a long season and uh, a lot of parody in college hockey. Yeah, Pat Micheletti with us talking uh, college hockey here. Uh, let, let's uh, briefly discuss uh, some of the other Minnesota teams. Minnesota Duluth, yep. uh, they have been, uh, you know, they've been right in the thick of things for a number of years now. And it's weird because they have set the bar where I think people would peripherally look at it and say, oh, they've trickled down to 16th in the country. What's what's wrong? But uh, they have a wicked tough schedule in that league, and they're, yep. it looks to me like they're playing some decent hockey. Well, listen, you know, I mean, Scott Sandlin has done a terrific job uh, up at Duluth, and they just keep on bringing in high-end players. And when you bring in high-end players like 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 Scott has, um, you're going to lose them because they're good enough, and then they and they move along to the pros earlier than you might expect. And so uh, he, this year on, on his defense, he's got five freshman defensemen playing in in uh, out of the six that that, that he plays. And so when you have five young defensemen like that, and they're all good, don't get me wrong, but it takes a little time to, to get used to playing college hockey and used to the college life. And uh, this is a team that you have to watch out um, come February and March because at that point in time, those five, those five out of the 60 are not going to be freshmen anymore. They're going to be uh, seasoned, uh, I don't want to say veterans, but you know they they'll um, they'll they'll have gotten their feet wet and they'll know how to play and know how to win and uh, and also their goaltender they lost their goaltender uh, to the pros last year Hunter Miska and, and so they're they're playing a new goaltender uh, so um, that's a team that last last weekend lost to the number one team in the country Denver by a goal each night so um, they're coming along they're going to be a, a, a very much a sleeper team but they're going to be one that you don't want to play in February and March. Minnesota State Mankato did not start the season in the top ten, but they're there now. What have you liked uh, from the Mavericks? Well, they're they're an older team, um, and you know they've and they've, they've got a few high enders. But you know, Mike Hastings again does a does another a very good job with his team, and you know they just they they like to prove people wrong. They went out to Boston University, and you know you think okay, two wins for BU, and and they go out there and sweep them, so you get confidence there. Now you know. It, the, 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 the league not talked about is the WCHA. Yep. And, you know, they're in that league, and it's the old W. You know, it's not the old WCHA. And, but I tell you what, there's teams that compete in that league, and there's teams that are, that are pretty darn good. And, uh, and you know, Minnesota State is, is right at the top. And, and uh, you know, they're, again, for them, you know, is their goaltending going to hold up? And that, that'll be the key for them uh, as they move along throughout the season. But, uh Certainly, a team that plays with a lot of confidence, and, and they're a very good team. All right, we got we can't leave out then uh, Bemidji State. They're in the same no. league, and uh, you know they can get hot. They started the season really well. What what uh, what do we know about them? Well, Michael Bitzer is their goaltender, and he might be the best goaltender in college hockey. And so when you when you start with that, uh, that's that's where you build your team from. Uh, Tom territory you know, you, you you have a conversation with him. They say, and he'll tell you. He'll say, Mick, I can't get the middle steads of the world. I can't get these high end guys. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. So we have to recruit differently. But what he does recruit is guys that go a million miles an hour, that play their butts off every single shift. And uh, you know, you ask you ask any of the coaches in Minnesota, who do you not want to play? You don't want to play Bemidji State because right. they just they they don't quit. And 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 Tommy does a great job there. Uh 
with his group and and you know they're always a tough out so you know at the end of the at the end of the day they're going to be there and uh you know they and he deserves a lot of credit for for what he's done with that program is that a one bid league or can there be a couple of teams come out of that you know, typically it's been it's been one. Uh, it's been the con- it's been the conference champion or the tournament champion, I right. should say. Yep. Um, you know, just for some reason, there, there are just so many good teams, and 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 you go strength of schedule, and you go pairwise, and it's who you're playing. And you know, uh, are 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 there more teams that might be deserving of a shot? Absolutely, but um, you know, you know, and that's why you see a team like Minnesota State going out to BU and playing. Uh, a high-end BU team, and you and you sweep them, boy, that's going to help you in the pair-wise. So, um, you know, I think they're starting to do a little bit more of that, and, and they're going to have to because you've got to get the non-conference wins against uh, against better teams. Yeah. Hey, Pat, great stuff. We appreciate it, and you'll be on TV uh, tomorrow night and Saturday. Remind us again. That's correct. On uh, FSN Plus tomorrow night and FSN uh, on Saturday. You have the Huskies so, and the uh, Fighting Hawks, right? Yes. Yep. All right. Great series. Okay. Appreciate it. Good hey, chatting thanks, with you. Mike. Yep. You got it. Take care. Okay. Pat Bye-bye. Micheletti with us here on the fan, talking both wild and college hockey. Always good to get his take. I was going to ask him. We ran out of time. He's a big PJ Fleck guy, Nordo. He was on PJ Fleck before the Gophers hired PJ Fleck. And He's been Flecknitized. He has been. He was before uh, PJ came here. We're going to talk about PJ Fleck and some of the recruiting that is happening this weekend, in fact, with Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated coming up next hour. Vikings, though, hey, they have a little football game on Sunday, right? Yeah. Just a little tiny one. little mm-hmm. NFC showdown out in Carolina. Charlotte, to be exact, it's the Panthers and the Vikings. You'll hear it right here. We'll preview it with our guy A.J. Monsoor. Nordo, you have safe travels out to the Thank city you. of brotherly love. Yes, I'm going to go to the airport and uh that's always fun prep for i mean you know i look at it like this so pageantry <laughs> in sports yes okay this is in our american lives sports are still the, are essentially the only spot in your entire life where you just have to take two and a half minutes and appreciate yeah this is the pinnacle oh, of man. that with army navy out in philly this weekend I adore it. It is emotional and incredible every single year. J.G. and I get to go see that, uh, so I'm excited. I always give J.G. a hard time. I'm like, no thanks, I'm good. I don't need to go with you. And he's like, well, and it always is, obviously, in basketball season, I have games usually on that weekend with, uh, with, with the Gophers. So one of these days I'm going to talk Patino into not scheduling a game and uh, might uh, might come shack up with you guys at one of those. Yeah, Army Navy is unbelievable. So we'll look forward to some programming this weekend from there and the game. Yeah, tomorrow we'll right night at 7 and then Saturday at noon, and then we have the game Nice Saturday afternoon too, so it's awesome. All right, well, I hope you don't have to sit next to J.G. on the flight. Well, I got a window seat, so he'd be middle. Yeah, well, that'd be fair. We'll oh. let him sit. Yeah, in the middle stick on him the way in the middle. Out. Elbow him for me, all right? <laughs> I will. Thanks, all right, man. Have fun. Yep, sounds good. He is Eric Nordquist. Ryan Donaldson is alongside as well. He and I will uh, bring us home here. We're on till noon. That's when the common man comes back. We will talk with AJ coming up next on Vikings football. Stay with us. You're listening to the fan. Ow. Four from the Falcons, 43. He's getting him out of the shotgun. He takes the pad out blind snap. Looks for Thielen, caught first down at the 35. Middle of the field to the 30. Taken down at the 21. We call that a cold-blooded connection. Case Keenum to Adam Thielen. It's a gain of 22. Clock runs, and the Falcons can't stop it.
Super Bowl homeboy. Yeah, Super Bowl's here in the Twin Cities. And maybe the purple will show up. How about that? That that uh, and and I heard Barrero talk about this. I heard Common Man talk about this. And by the way, if you're just joining us, we're just a minute in front of ten. Mike Grimm in for PA. AJ Monsoor from uh, KFAN and KFAN.com is with us to talk, and uh, we'll get some uh, his insight on the Minnesota Vikings. But um, everyone now. It has come to the realization that yes, that not only is it. I mean, look, we all when the Super Bowl was announced, it was oh yeah, maybe the Vikings would make it. That'd be kind sure. of cool. Even at the, even when you're sitting at two and two, yeah, probably not. I think they were forty to one yeah. at that point. Well, now it's legit. I mean, there's a. It's like I eight mean, to one, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's. A, I mean, and now it's gone from I hope, I hope. Okay, now there's a possibility, and now it's like it seems most fans don't want to give it a big thought because they don't want to set themselves up. To fall off the cliff and be disappointed yet again. That's the Minnesotan in it all is. of us, right? It's unbelievable. We've been to the cusp of the <laughs> the, uh, the top of the mountain before, and we, you know, I mean, obviously older Vikings fans have have seen Vikings in the Super Bowl. I haven't. I right. mean, I, my my lifetime has been ninety eight, <laughs> two thousand nine. Yeah. Disappointment, forty forty one donut. You know, those sorts of scenarios where you you get so excited, you get so invested. Brett Favre, just magical season. And then he threw across his body, right. and twelve men on the field, and, and just and it ends in the worst way possible too. It's not just you know you're going to lose a game. It's, right. it's the, the perfect field goal yeah. kicker misses a field goal. <laughs> you know, it, it's those sorts of scenarios. And and now, Mike, it's, it's you're you're not only thinking, hey, the Vikings could be in the Super Bowl. It's they could have home field advantage all the, the way, way through. Right now, that's the way it's shaken out. They could have home field in the, they'll get a bye in the first round, home field in the second round, home field in the conference championship, and then potentially home field in the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's never happened before, (laughs) but it's a weird feeling, especially for for Vikings fans here who who don't know how to handle this. No one knows. It's amazing the the, the amount of brake pumping now that's going. It's like, yeah, hang on. Well, and we're starting to realize weird things, too. Uh, We we talked about this on the show, uh, the power trip, uh, last week, I think, and I actually got some clarification the other day at a Super Bowl meeting the the Vikings if they make the Super Bowl are technically the away team yeah so the NFL does every other year so last year the Falcons were the home team in the Super Bowl so this year the NFC team would be the away team so there's potential that the Vikings would be the away team in the Super Bowl at US Bank Stadium now right. what that, all that really matters is that you get to choose the color of your jersey the home team does yeah. and the away team calls the the coin flip beyond that the the locker rooms are already set. The AFC locker room is already set. Will be the visitors' locker room. No at, matter who. No makes matter it. who makes it. Even if the Vikings aren't in it. Correct. The, that'll be the AFC, and the Vikings' locker room will be the NFC. No matter who makes it. Um, the one thing that will flip, depending on if the Vikings make it or not, is the practice facilities. Sure. Right now, the AFC is scheduled to practice at Winter Park, where the Vikings are, and the NFC is scheduled to practice at the Gophers facility. Right. Um, if the Vikings make the playoffs or make the Super Bowl, that flips. So then the Vikings just stay at Winter Park, and and the the AFC will go there. And the reason why they do that is they put the AFC at the home host city's um, uh, team facility is, is I, and I thought this was kind of funny, for, for rivalry reasons. So let's say like the Green Bay Packers. Sure, you wouldn't want them. You wouldn't want the Green Bay Packers in there. And he kind of mentioned like 
vandalism like and and like we learned from our past exper- uh, experiences as if somebody sabotaged had sabotaged yeah. the facility of their arch rival um so that's why they put the AFC in the NFC training facility right leave a little note with uh, some sort of poison yeah. in it or something yeah, yeah or a little well, present in the toilet in a door or something well that, that is interesting and then um from from that angle the Vikings would likely wear the whites right they wear purple at home if, if I mean it, it depends you have teams like the Cowboys who True. who yeah. always want to wear the whites yeah right you know whether they're home or away and they kind of throw some some weird you know so it depends I mean uh what the other team would want you know if yeah. it's the Steelers do they want to be black do they want to be white you know whatever I was convinced that the Packers would not only make it but win it that would just be the Minnesota way the way the way even now like what I'm talking about like this brake pumping I think people are excited about the Vikings and I've always thought that this market um, I'm not a native Minnesotan I've been here 12 years now um, I, I've always been familiar with it I, I even from before we moved here but I've always thought it was interesting the the, the fatality uh, the fatalistic nature of the fan base <laughs> um, and then when teams do start getting good the fatalistic doesn't go from enjoying the fact that you're having finally a good year like the goal for basketball team went through that is going through that right now a little bit in a yeah. very microcosm way like like it happens. Teams have crappy nights. They're gonna, you know, you know, let it let let a bad game go. And I think now it isn't like okay, well they'll recover. They're ranked twentieth. They're a pretty good team. If you don't play your best game and you're ranked twentieth, you can lose on the road to Nebraska. Yeah. It can happen. It happened. And I think a fan base like let's say Michigan State that happens. They're used to this. They'd be just like okay, we stubbed our toe. That sucked. They sucked. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota fatalistic approach is because we haven't had that very much, uh, and the reaction is, "Oh my God, they're going to stink! They're going to miss the tournament." Now that may be true. Maybe they fall off the face of the earth, yeah. but I, I do think we all have to take a step back. Sometimes uh, it, it's it's like there's never enjoyment here. No, there's never enjoyment when you're really good and you lose. It's like, oh my God, the you know the, the, the whole thing, the trapdoor is going to fall out. And you sometimes I just wait, hey. Kick back and let's enjoy it. Even if this Vikings team doesn't make the Super Bowl, let's say they break our hearts again, why why wouldn't we have enjoyed last week's win in Atlanta? Well, they still, I mean, from the beginning of the season, nobody expected this team right. to be a playoff team. I mean, it was expected that the Packers were going to win the division. <laughs> yeah. And the Vikings maybe had a shot at a wild card. Right. Maybe. And right now, they're the number one seed. I mean, just th- that already is overachieving. Right. And we don't think that they're going to lose the last four games. So they win a couple more. That's a double-digit win season. I mean, that, none of this was expected. It's all, we're playing with house money right now. And the fact that it is... A conversation that they could do something really special. That's where you're yeah. walking on those eggshells a little bit. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like yeah. an uncomfortable spot. It's like like nobody here can get comfortable with the idea that they might do it. And and it's okay if they don't. I mean, it's sure. been a fun season. It it will stink if they don't, but it's fine. They've had a good year. Let's just enjoy what it has. That doesn't mean you can't set expectations and not be disappointed. No, and I would argue too that like. This this particular team has been battle tested in a different way that it should again we don't you know, especially the fatalistic Minnesotans don't want to get overconfident right but the way that the, the Vikings have won games this season the way that they bounced off of what happened last year and and bounced back to this year I'm not saying they didn't bounce back last year but they 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 learned how to handle adversity when you lose your quarterback when you lose your running back so this year when they lose their quarterback and they lose their running back again it's next man up mentality right. it's just we did this last year we're going to do it again. Obviously, they're in a better position as far as the personnel and that goes as well. But you, and personnel from your tri- arch rival when Rodgers sure. went down, it changed the whole league. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah. So. And, and and you could argue the Vikings were going to win that game anyway with Rodgers. Right. But it would have been a different competition down the stretch here. I mean, they may be sitting at nine and three 
if they have Rodgers or ten and two sure. or what have you. And there's this 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 mentality again coming from the fatalistic Minnesotans yeah. that they're going to come back and do it again. You know that we're going to meet him in the playoffs yeah. and Rodgers is going to come back no. if they beat they win this game and then Rodgers is back. They run the table. Then we get the wild no. card. <laughs> I, I'm not scared of that either. If no. that happens, I don't think it'll happen. If it does happen. Uh, this team, because of the adversity that they've shown throughout the season, and this last game was a perfect example. You're playing a good team on the road. You're down early, and you find a way to fight back. Right. You, you you level head. You figure out you know how to how to attack the defense, attack the offense, and you figure out how to handle the opposition. By the second half, there was really no doubt in my mind that the Vikings were going to win that game. Yeah. But they 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 ebbed and they flowed, and they got to a point, and they stayed calm the whole time. That's the kind of mentality that last year's team didn't have. They didn't have the talent, they didn't have the, the composure, and they didn't have the experience of, of being down, fighting back, not you know throwing your hands up like, what are we going to do here? That's right. what last year's team would have done. This year's team finds a way to win. And, and at the end of the day, it comes down to, and, and this is going to sound like I'm some sort of a coach, execution. And you can execute when your offensive line now is good, yeah. and it wasn't. And yeah. your quarterback is good. And last year, because of the line play, the quarterback play was pretty good, but he couldn't do his full arsenal of what he wanted to do. I mean, that offensive line, the way they've restructured that that has been a huge, huge mm-hmm. difference, and it's helped them for it sure. It opens up a full playbook. Yeah. I mean, you can do any kind of running play, any kind of passing play when you have that. And ultimately, the coach's job is to figure out how to beat the opposition on a weekly basis, a quarter-by-quarter basis even. Yeah. And, and at some point, then it is left up to the players. You either have the talent to execute the game plan. This game plan should beat the Atlanta Falcons, but if you're not good enough, you don't have the right. talent to do it. If you're not uh, a sound enough, a mature enough team, you're going to make mistakes along the way. And this team isn't making mistakes. They have the talent to execute the game plan that the coaches are putting before them. And now you have the personnel where Shermer has the offensive players he needs to be well-rounded on offense. Zimmer has the defensive players that he needs to be well-rounded on defense. So you can bring the attack from the left, from the right, from the inside, from the outside, and you just keep the opposition on edge. And that should give you an advantage in every game. And that's what we've seen. All right. So tonight it's the Saints and the Falcons. Do we, I'm putting you on the spot, do we Do we have a rooting interest from a Viking standpoint in on um, this one? The rooting interest would be for the Falcons to win, okay. just because the Saints are closer to us. Gotcha. You know, we have a tiebreaker and a game over the Saints right now. So, um, but they could catch us. They could surpass us if okay. they win all and we lose all. And But if the Falcons win, that's better for the Vikings because uh, it knocks the Saints a little further away from our backside. Right? I'll add on to that, AJ. If the Falcons win also, that's another wild card team that the Packers still need to leapfrog. That's a great you know, point. If, yeah. if they get yeah. past the Browns, which we can all assume they probably will, and then Rodgers comes back, say they run the table, if the Falcons win tonight, that's huge for keeping the Packers sure. out Good of that point. playoff. Which, which we all want. Which we, we all, which want. all want. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. The Packers have Cleveland, as you mentioned. Now, I would I would get a little giggle out of the, if, if Cleveland got a win in that one. Well, they're not. Yeah. They're not. That's not a given. I mean, no, it's, it's three, they're a three-point home dog. Yeah. Basically. Green Bay... Uh, beat Tampa Bay this last week, and they had a defensive touchdown and a big special teams return. Uh, they didn't play well. What Hunley had like 84 yards passing. I mean, the Green Bay didn't play well. They beat a very bad team and took advantage of some opportunities. Tampa Bay, you could argue, is you know the way they're playing on the level of of the Cleveland Browns. They just have won a handful of games. So the, the you know the Browns get uh, Josh Gordon back. That just changes the offense. I don't think it makes them world right. beaters or anything, but it changes it. They figure some things out. You keep it low scoring, and, and it's potential. I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but don't don't write them off as a Packer win right away. Yeah, and if Cleveland wins, that would essentially eliminate the Pack. Right? I mean, there's yeah. no way the Pack can recover. From they got to run the table. Yeah, that yeah. would be that would be fun. So we have Cleveland in our rooting interest. We have the Falcon. No, the Saints in our rooting interest, and then obviously Falcons. Uh, Falcons yep. in our rooting interest, and then you want the Rams to beat. 
the yeah. Eagles. That'd be sweet. I mean, if the Rams right. beat the Eagles and the Vikings win, and then then the Vikings have with a three weeks left. I mean, over the over the the Rams, the Saints, the Eagles are a game back. Then they already have a tiebreaker over them as far as strength of schedule. Now that that could change, or strength mm-hmm. of victory is what it is. That's how the Vikings have the tiebreaker right, right now. That could change as the season goes, but. I think after this uh, this uh, this uh, Eagles, or I'm sorry, this Rams game, the Eagles have some divisional opponents that aren't going to do much. Uh, they're not tough teams either, so right. it's not going to change the strength of victory. And the same for the Vikings, where you have the Bengals, the the uh, the Bengals, Packers, and Bears to finish off your season. So, uh, yeah, we want the Eagles to lose more just to give some more space. I mean, it would. I mean, if the Vikings win and the Eagles lose. It, 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 and one, the Vikings clinch a playoff spot, right? Yep, they, yep. They, they, no, no doubt about it. And I think is if it, it's a win and in for them this yeah. weekend, and some other scenarios. If and they, they win the division lose. too, yep. right? Straight up win the division, you get to hang that banner, and then we can have a whole other discussion next week about when do you start? If you start resting guys, do you <laughs> yeah. get Teddy Bridgewater yeah. sometime? Do you mess with anything? Yeah. You know, I, I could I could live with the argument we're not messing, we're not going to mess with anything. Yeah, we'll That'd risk my injury play. just to you know just to do it. Keep and it it's as worked it both is. ways. Yeah. There is no sure. proven way. Was it? I can't remember now. The Giants, when they won it the one year, did they rest everybody and then they were getting ripped and then they ended up winning it or did they play everybody and get ripped? Well, the, the one example that always sticks out to me is always Peyton Manning. Yeah, the Colts. Peyton Manning and the Colts almost always had a first round bye. Yeah. So they rested players in week 17 because it didn't matter. So you're out week 17, you're out the wild card week, you have two week break. Yeah. That's great. It sounds awesome. But then they come back and, and they, they laid an egg because yeah, right. they, they weren't in the mentality. They weren't there. So and they probably played the Patriots a few of those times. I'm sure. Yeah. That. So you run into a, a good <laughs> opponent. But you know what? I, my, my vote is you fight for the best position you can get to get home field advantage, to get that first round bye, and you use that bye as your break. Yeah. You know, obviously you risk every week somebody getting injured for the season. And that's no matter not what. Help. Right. Yeah. But if there's an ankle injury, that, that bye week helps somebody get back and right. get a little more healthy, maybe get back on the field when they wouldn't have if you had to play that wild card weekend. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I said we'd talk about it next week, but we just covered it. So there you go. No, no problem there. So it, it would be, what, what a weekend. I mean, what a weekend it could be. Uh, the game itself, we haven't broken that down. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of minutes here. Uh, Carolina seems to do, I mean, Cam Newton is not the guy he was two years ago when he uh, carried me to a fantasy football championship. Uh, but MVP he, of the league. Yeah, yeah, but he has had some weeks where he has been like that. Vikings have had some success against him, so how do you break that matchup down? And this defense for Minnesota has been really good. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the way you break it down is you just do what you've been doing. You know, you prepare, obviously, for the best Cam Newton that you can get, and if he's not there, you dominate. You know, you you just continue to do the things that would have stopped that best Cam Newton because those things should stop the bad Cam Newton. You, you can't prepare for the, the ups and downs that he's had this season, the inconsistencies, uh, because that can happen in in the, the stretch of a single game, too. Sure. I mean, he may get off to a, a quick start, and by the second half, which we've seen a lot for Vikings teams, the, the, they're competitive in the first half, and then the Vikings pull away in the second half. The Rams game, all those games were kind of like that. That That is kind of how I see it happening, where as these two teams are, are going blow for blow in the first half, you get through that first scripted drive on each side, you figure out some things, you make some adjustments, and by the time you come out for the second half, that those first drives there are, are more important to me than even the first drives in the first half because that's where you're you figured out the flow of the game you figured out what your opponent is on this given day who you're looking out for who they're trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of you you learn those things and that's where 
again, the Vikings have 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 shown like a bright light. I mean, they they've 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 figured that out and they've pulled away from teams in the second half last week, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's their mo is they they'll they're not afraid. They're not a team that if if you get down by a lot of points, like multiple touchdowns, I don't think that they fight back the same way that a Brady led or a Rodgers led team can do. It's not necessarily quick score deep passes. Um, it's it's more methodical, right. uh, but they are able to put points on the board. So you keep it close in the first half, uh, you and then by the second half, you figured out what you're doing. And now again, the Vikings are the more talented team on paper. Will they play that way? That's that's up in the air. We don't know, you know. But I think that if somebody they're deep enough, if Anthony Barr has a bad game, Eric Kendricks can pick him up. Mm-hmm. If Smith is having a bad game, which hardly ever happens, you know, Xavier Rhodes can cover some of that ground. They're just deep enough all around that you know they're gonna find a way to put points on the board. They're gonna find a way to keep you off the scoreboard. And I just don't think Carolina is consistent enough, talented enough, and I think that they have a a, a big quit factor to them. Where if things don't go their way early, they're they're done and they're checked out, and and you could take advantage. They do have Matt Khalil and Captain Munerlin, though. I'm excited for that Matt Khalil matchup. <laughs> Everson Griffin versus Matt Khalil, yeah, are you kidding me? That could be a turnstile. You know, the, yeah. all, all the reports, we talked to Ron Rivera yesterday. Um, you know, they're saying Matt Khalil's having a great season, bounce back season, blah, blah, blah. He's not. There's yeah. no way. I mean, I, I haven't watched every game, but I've seen a lot of very bad highlights where it's yeah. turnstile Matt Khalil. I don't know which guy to block Matt Khalil, uh, getting his hand slapped out in front of him, right. and you're going to put him up against one of the best defensive ends in the league. So they're going to give him a lot of help over there, too. I have no doubt about to. that. Yeah. But it's 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 Everson's licking his chops right yeah. now. Well, you can hear the game obviously here on the fan on Sunday. Um, anything new on the web page you want to let us know about? Uh, all sorts of uh, stuff. We do a lot of heavy audio right now. Uh, we'll get some written stuff up too this week. The uh, press conferences from yesterday. Case Keenum. Uh, we talked to Everson about his good friend Matt Khalil. Yeah. And Everson was really low key yesterday. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a week by week basis for him sure. too. Last week he was goofy and squirrely, and this week he was kind of low key. Uh, taking so he's taking himself seriously. You can yeah. kind of tell. But um, yeah, lots of audio, lots of uh, written stuff. We'll continue to preview that game this weekend and get everybody prepared. Awesome, great stuff. Appreciate Thanks, it. Appreciate right. it, man. AJ Monsoor from KFAN and KFAN.com. Mike Grimm in for PA nine to noon. This is the fan. This is Vikings quarterback Trey Waynes, and you're listening to the fan. in for PA today. PA getting the day off. You will hear him. Is he back tomorrow, Rhino? Yeah, he's back tomorrow. All They're right. doing the Friday football feast Oh, yeah, tomorrow. he wouldn't miss tomorrow. Where are they tomorrow? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'll check the vibe book. I'll get back to you. Yeah, let me I'm know not exactly what, sure what um, Buffalo Wild Wings location. I, I, I have not been to one of those, but I have programmed into my cellular device uh, when they'll be out in my neighborhood. Uh, tomorrow's the 8th, so it'll be... I Looks think. like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in Edina. Edina. This oh, Gargi. 
stomping grounds. There you go. Find all the details. KFN.com, keyword event. Undoubtedly, they serve cake at that. uh, You think they don't? The best cake in town. Absolutely have to serve cake there. I think it's Apple Valley the week after, which is close to to, uh, the Grimm household. I may. may, uh, pull a surprise uh, visit on a PA in charge on that one. We'll see if I if uh, I think if I sneak by they'll give me a free uh, you know a, a, a thing a, a snack size wings or something. No question about it. Yeah. You're Mike Grimm. Uh, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, uh, buzz off, buddy. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> nah, they'll they'll hook you up. Uh, th- th- I think it's Apple Valley next week. Sweet. And a diner tomorrow. So yeah, PA's not going to miss a football feast. That's for sure. That it's amazing. That thing is taken off and uh, they get huge crowds wherever they go. So he's off today, and of course we'll hear him Sunday. Vikes. And Carolina. A big weekend this weekend as well for head coach PJ Fleck and the Golden Gophers. And you might say, huh? Their season's over. And it is. They finished five and seven, a bit of a disappointment, no bowl game. But this is a huge time for recruiting and a huge weekend this weekend. And we bring in our pal Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated. He covers all the recruiting news, uh, keeps us all up to date with it. And they, uh, first of all, uh, how we doing, Burnsy? Good. You don't think that if you were to swing by Buffalo Wild Wings tomorrow that they wouldn't immediately recognize you once you come through the door and you'd get a standing ovation. No, I cannot no. believe you don't think that. No, the, I'd walk in and they'd be like, who's who's the clown that just walked in uh, demanding a free snack size boneless wings with teriyaki and salt and vinegar Who's who, and blue cheese? Who's this guy is what would happen. I'm sure if you made the request to PA in charge, I'm pretty sure that could probably hook you up. <laughs> well, I'll give them a week's notice. I, I can't make tomorrow. We're headed to Arkansas, but uh, Apple Valley's pretty close to where I live, so I think I can make that one. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I may uh, I may pull a, 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 a ambush them. I may just surprise attack them and see if I if uh, I can't. If nothing else, I'll just while they're on the air go up and grab their food. What are they going to do? They can't stop me, you know. And exactly. you know me. If there's free food to be had, I'm there. So. Uh, Especially out in San Diego. Yeah, you know that. You know that. Garzy certainly wouldn't open up his uh, uh, mothball-infected wallet, so, uh, you know, somebody had to pay. Uh, all right, now, on to serious stuff. What are they calling this weekend? There, there's some sort of a Alita Palooza or something like that? You are correct. Okay. Uh, everybody likes the acronyms. Everybody likes to see what the kids are doing. So instead of the word elite, it is uh, elite, but L-I-T as in lit, which is something the kids love to say. It's oh, yeah. Elite 18 Palooza. So it is Going to be a jam-packed weekend. You mentioned it. I believe I'm at 34 official visitors on campus at one time, which I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work. Considering wow. that is that's a lot of people to try and take care of at one time. That's a lot of different events. That's a lot of different things. That if you're going to schedule around things, you have to do it with 34 recruits. Plus, you have to think about they're going to have two people with them, like their parents, their guardians, uh, their you know a parent and a brother, a parent and a sister. I mean, that's going to be a lot of people that are going to be walking around the University of Minnesota this weekend and doing a whole lot of different things. But as you mentioned, with no bowl game, this was the weekend that throughout the entire season that the staff was trying to get was trying to get to because we were two weeks away. We we're less than two weeks away till signing day. Yes, I know that there is still a signing day the first Wednesday of February, like there always has been. But for the first time this year. Um, it is going to be an early signing period on December the 20th. And then the plan is for most, if, if not all, of Minnesota's commits to sign then. So you have less than two weeks. You're able to get them on campus 10 days before signing day, hopefully get anybody that may be looking around a little bit locked down completely, and hopefully they can finish strong because they do have some big-time names coming in this weekend as well. Ryan Burns with us from Gopher Illustrated talking about a big recruiting week and 34, by his count, uh, official visitors. And I had someone tell me this week that they believe that's the largest 
recruiting weekend, the most number of recruits any program in the history of college football has ever had. Now, I mean, how how do you track it? I suppose you guys at Gopher Illustrated and the whole, uh, you know, the whole vast uh, folks that that cover all the schools might be able to kind of track it. But can you think of any bigger weekend from anywhere else? Just I'm talking volume of of, re, uh, of visitors. I can't, and I know that we've been kind of searching through it because we've had time to prepare for this. And, you know, we've asked national analysts, we've asked a lot of different people, and I think the consensus is, while not a lot of people track this in terms of how many official visitors, you know, folks have on, on you know, on a certain weekend, um, I've never seen more than 15. I certainly have never seen more than 30. <laughs> um, so this is more than likely the largest, I know at least in the history of the University of Minnesota, the largest official visiting recruiting weekend, I'm sure, with the amount of numbers as well, it's probably going to be the most expensive. So we'll see if some of the local newspapers decide to pick that one up and run with it. But well, if not, um, go for Illustrated. We'll have all you need. <laughs> exactly. So there's been it's been crazy. I mean, I've I, again I've never seen 34 official visitors coming in at one time. Again, you have 23 verbal commitments right now, um, scholarship wise for PJ Fleck. They have I believe they are ranked the number 26 class overall in the country. They're the number one class in the Big Ten West. And then they have some big time names coming to campus like Daniel Fa'alele and Curtis Dunlap. Um, you know, Fa'alele, if you have never heard of this man, um, he is, in, in my eyes, and I've seen, you know, I've been in this seven years now, he is the biggest human being <laughs> I've seen with my own two eyes that hasn't been um, a basketball player. He's six foot nine, 400 pounds. And Hold it a second. What? Yes. Yeah, six and, nine, I mean, what? I, he is put into your Google machine right now. If you're listening, Daniel Faalele to it's F A A L E L E Sports Illustrated. He is from Australia. Uh, he is went to IMG Academy down in Florida, basically the football, um, the football facility for the high school best high school players in America. He comes from Australia, I believe, 18 months ago. He's never played the game of football. He's heard about it. Um, he immediately walks in there. They stop practice. They're like, "What in the world just walked in?" <laughs> I mean, this kid looks like if you were to, I mean, clone something that looks like a, a prototypical left tackle in the NFL, because you think of 400 pounds, you think of some, you know, bad weight there. I, you know, he visited Minnesota back in the spring and I was there that day and he walked in and you looked at him and you go, that is six foot nine and that is not any really bad weight at all. I mean, this wow. kid is strong as an ox and uh, he took official visits to Alabama last month, to Georgia the month before. So, when you're looking at two of the teams competing for the BCS National Championship game, I mean, it's never a bad thing when you're going to be competing against those kind of schools. So he is going to be taking an official visit this weekend. He, and Minnesota's flying in his mother and his brother from Australia because that's, again, where Fahalele's uh, family is from. Wow. So it's going to be uh, quite an interesting weekend. He's got a heck of a backstory. Um, again, you just don't see a whole lot of kids that look like him walking around this Gopher football program. And when you have a football program that hasn't had an offensive lineman drafted since 2006, guys like Fa'alele are how you change that. 23 verbal commitments now. The hope is that they all will sign here in a few weeks, December the 20th. So the question then becomes, uh, with another, if my math is right, 10 or so uh, folks that haven't committed, what if nine people decide they want to become Gophers this weekend? How many scholarships do they have left, and how choosy and picky do they have to be here? They're going to have to be very uh, selective because with the new early signing period, uh, the disclaimer that came with it or the change in the NCAA bylaws is you only can sign 25 to national letter of intent in the early signing period. Mm -hmm. So how you can get around that is a guy like Minnesota's junior college quarterback commitment, 
Victor Viramontes. He already signed a national letter of intent back when he was going to California to replace Jared Goff uh, back in 2016. So technically he can't sign a national letter of intent. He can sign something called a financial aid agreement. Yep. So again, you're looking for the gray areas there. So however you want to look at it, you know, there isn't a firm number I can tell you from even talking with a um, Minnesota source member last night. Um, there isn't a firm number that the staff has set on right now. You know, maybe there's two, maybe there's three, maybe there's somehow they can find a loophole to get more. But if you have, you know, four, five, six uncommitted guys coming in, I mean, somebody, if they, if they all six wanted to commit, they just don't have room for that. So that's where the staff's going to have to determine, I mean, who is on the priority list. Now, I would imagine a guy like Fa'alele would be um, another, his high school teammate, Curtis Dunlap, who is a, a consensus four-star across the board. We have him as a top 200 overall player in the 2018 class. Um, if he were to commit to Minnesota, he'd be the highest-rated offensive lineman to ever commit to the University of Minnesota in the history of these uh, you know, internet recruiting rankings. So, you know, better than uh, Blaze Andrews from even a year ago. So if you have this kind of offensive line talent coming in, plus Minnesota's looking at potentially adding in um, another playmaker on offense, they're bringing in, um, a, potentially another defensive tackle. I mean, you're trying to figure out how does this all work? How does it all kind of come together? And that's the question that Coach Fleck and staff have to kind of really answer because you look at them, as I mentioned already, uh, we have them as the 26th best class overall. If you look at the composite rating, which, again, we average out the recruiting sites, get them into you know one average there. Minnesota has the number 32 recruiting class, but if you're able to get the, the Dunlaps of the world, the, the Daniel Fa'aleles, I mean, you're going to be seeing a bump there even further. And, again, if you, they already have the number one class, recruiting class in the Big Ten West. I mean, we're talking about better than 12-0 and Wisconsin or 12-1 and Wisconsin. We're talking about better than a Northwestern team that's won seven Big Ten games in a row, better than Northwestern, uh, better than Iowa. You know, the list goes on and on, and right. that's a five-win Minnesota team. So if he's able to finish strong, it's looking promising that he's going to be able to do so. Imagine what that can do with recruiting momentum going into 2019. And, again, I don't have to tell you about the Edinas of Quinn Carroll, uh, Bryce Benhart. Um, you know, those are kind of guys that you want to get the momentum rolling back with. So like it North, is going to be right? an interesting couple of them. It is going to be an interesting weekend, Grimmer. Um, last one for you. Uh, with, with that said, and I, I remember uh, maybe it was you, somebody saying when, when P.J. Fleck got hired that it would be a, a different approach, uh, something we haven't seen before, and I think we've gotten that, but also that it would be pretty volatile. And so my question is, as we get close to December 20th, do you expect some volatility, or do you think the 23 that are committed are, yep, they're good, ready to roll, and uh, and then you you pick up whatever you can pick up in addition? That's a great question. And when I kind of look at the class here again, maybe Minnesota tries to make room. Now, I don't see them potentially moving on from a guy, but again, crazier things have happened here and it happens all the time in the SEC. It happens in the Big Ten. Ohio State's been doing it. Uh, but I kind of look across the board here. I know other teams are trying to get in on numerous Minnesota commits. Uh, we're talking about a guy like Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver uh, who just got bumped up to four stars. We have him as the number 200 overall player in the country. He's a receiver from the state of Georgia. Uh, someone that had a fantastic senior season, someone that had Big Ten basketball offers before his senior season, and then he decided he wanted to focus on football. Minnesota was the first Power 5 school to offer him. He committed immediately, and then he proceeds to lead the state of Georgia in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. I mean, Georgia, as of current status, does not have room for him because they filled up early, which is a great thing for Minnesota. So 
you kind of look across the board, there are many other schools trying to get on Minnesota commits, and that's one of the ideal things about the timing of this official visit weekend is, is we currently sit here, we're 13 days from signing day. Yeah. By the time that these kids leave campus on the 10th, we're 10 days away. They just have hopefully had one of the greatest you know, weekends they've had in the last few months. They've been spending all the time with the other commits, all the other top targets. They're trying to build that kind of brotherhood type of thing. And any kind of doubts they had have gone to the wayside, and they're able to keep everybody firm. So, you know, it, it happens all the time, but it may be a kid or two ends up, you know, you, you can never foresee who comes calling in those last 72, 48 hours away from signing day. Um, and that's why Gopher Illustrated is such a great place to go because, again, we're talking about it. We've had coaches on the road notes every single day. You know, PJ's been in Texas. He's in California today. Uh, he's been in Missouri. He's been in Iowa. I mean, Florida, he's everywhere around the country. And so if you want to know who these guys are looking at, what is the status of each and every one of these guys, I encourage you to head on over to gopherillustrated.com. Very good. Awesome stuff. We will. Gopherillustrated.com. Ryan Burns, appreciate it. Sounds good. I'll talk to you here soon. Okay, sounds good. He is going to be a busy man here over the next uh, couple of weeks for sure. December 20th is that first signing day. And again, gopherillustrated.com for all of the info. 34 visitors this weekend for P.J. Fleck. I will mention one quick thing before we push it to break, and we'll get to some news coming up next. Uh, the Goal Line Club, the Gopher Football Booster Club, is hosting the recruiting luncheon, signing day social. It's a luncheon this year, December the 20th at noon. So that is on signing day at noon. Uh, we will uh, have a luncheon. In fact, I'll be uh, emceeing that. I think J.G. may have a role in that as well. Uh, and it's at the stadium, December 20th. And you should be, if you're not, you should uh, plan to attend. They would like you to reserve seats, though, and reserve your ticket. There is a cost for the meal. It's GoalLineClub.com. Go to GoalLineClub.com. You do get a discount if you're a Goal Line Club member, but it is not exclusive just to Goal Line Club members. If you're just a football fan, not a member, uh, you can come on out and uh, see us. P.J. Fleck will have a presentation, talk about the recruiting class, the early signees. That's December the 20th, early signing day, and it's a noon luncheon at the football stadium. Go to GoalLineClub.com. All right, we're going to have news of the day when we come back. It's 9 to noon, Grim in for PA. Time now for the Vikings Report on the Fan, presented by Quick Trip, the preferred convenience store of the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer joins PA after this from Quick Trip. CenturyLink proudly presents KFAN and the Minnesota Vikings Toys for Tots collection. You can drop off any new or unwrapped toy at the five metro locations. Find the CenturyLink locations at KFAN.com. Make the keyword toys. in for PA, and uh, look who just shows up out of the blue. Feeling a little left out. We're talking Gophers, we're talking Vikings, and next thing you know, there's a knock on the studio door. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And Justin Guard shows up. What's going on? It's Begging exactly... for airtime. Uh, I want to know about Alita Palooza. Well, you, well, did you miss it? We just went 25 well, minutes on it. Yeah, you did. Uh, that's that's Burnsy for you. That's uh, <laughs> Burnsy, oh, he could have killed a couple of hours yeah. talking about each of those guys. So six, eight, four hundred pounds, there's yeah. an offensive tackle. Yeah. That'd be helpful. Yeah. They could use a guy like that, I would think. No doubt. And so. they, a couple of others, so we'll see how it all turns out. 
Um, that's this weekend. You have an exciting weekend as well, you and uh, Nordo. See, Nordo already took off. Does he have to pack or what? No, but here's the thing. This is classic Nordo. He's probably listening right now. Yeah. So Nordo, the first year we went, Nordo doesn't travel much. Uh-huh. Okay? That's what he told me yeah, he, in he, the commercial. He's like, this is my first trip in 100 years. Yeah, he doesn't travel a whole lot. So, And, you know, we go all over the place, right? right? And and so we, I, you know, I've taken trips and all that. So he... He's very paranoid about. I think he's afraid if he doesn't get there six hours before the plane leaves that they're going to leave him behind. Like, well, he's, yeah, he's very worried about that. Okay. And you know me, I'm basically game time on. You time. are like I, how many I times? I get worried about you. Sometimes. I know you do. Yeah. And like I remember, uh, I think when we went to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl, you were like, "Where are you? What's Jeez, going on? You're freaking we're, we're out." We're standing in line to get on the flight. But I know. It, I walk in, I sit uh-huh. down, the plane takes off. That's all good until you finally, no. you know, get the. Uh... It's, I got a perfect science. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> sure Nord- you do. So Nordo. Nordo gets there like literally five hours early, like for every flight that I. So you're gonna tell my... me like your flight's like seven thirty tonight? Our flight is one forty five. Are we gonna get him in trouble scheduled. here with the boss for leaving early? No. Okay. Well, but I did. Well, actually, when we talked about it, he's like, "Well, I should probably be on the road by like 10. I'm like, "There's no chance you need to be on the road that early. <laughs> like, absolutely not. Do you need to be? Well, no. You got to get there early, Mike. Nordo's gonna kill me for bringing this up. Now. No, he put together a nice show for me. Yeah, he did. He did it's a been great a good favor, program. and now now we're basically uh, that's fine. That's how things you know, go. He's got bus track, bus tire tracks on his back. So I, if, if we we're supposed to leave about one forty five, I'll probably roll. In there, twelve thirty ish. I think is probably good. Well, Guardsy, I think Nordo's. Fine. I think Nordo's got you fooled, man. I think he's he's convinced you that he's worried about departure time, but he's really just going to Ike's Bar and ponying up, you know, <laughs> having a couple of cocktails. That's the kind of the off the record thing that I I what he does. Um, Let's be honest. He will ha- definitely have a couple of pre flight beverages. <laughs> there's there's no there's no doubt about that. Uh, Nordo is uh, it's five o'clock somewhere guy for yeah, sure. Is, so okay, now is he does he take a drink because he wants to calm himself for the flight, or he just likes booze? I think it's convenient for him that okay. it would calm him because he also likes it. I think it's a it's a two prong approach. But yeah. yeah, we're going to Army Navy, which we always like. We're doing a bunch of uh, bunch of interviews tomorrow that'll be kind of all over the place, including in the afternoon and then after Barrero tomorrow. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be very cool. We invited you all those years ago, and you burned us and. I never now, burned you. I said, invite me sometime, and then you did, and I had a basketball game. No, you had a family Christmas. It was a terrible excuse. That is right. Which that is, is the right. same yeah, that excuse is right. I gave you why I couldn't go to Nebraska, and you were all hot about it, and it was literally the same no, thing. No, no. It was family Christmas. No, there's so much different there, but we don't need to bore the fi- the fine fan listeners with the difference. But it's it's all good, Guardsy. It's all good. So what you got programming tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, and then uh, so 7 to 8 tomorrow night, and then also leading up to the game, because we're going to do the game. Westwood 1 carries the game where Westwood 1 affiliate. So we've got like a pre to the pre to the pregame show. Your guy John Feinstein, I'm yep. sure, will be with us. Uh, the cool thing about Army Navy is, well, not the cool thing. Uh, it's awesome. It is definitely worth if it's on your bucket list. It's worth going. Um, not even so much the game as much, even though now both teams are good. Both teams are going to a bowl. They're actually playing for the Commander in Chief Trophy. You know, with Air Force, Army, and Navy, they all play for the Commander in Chief Trophy every single year, and it's the first time in forever. The that Army or Navy, the winner will get it here because they've both beaten Air Force this year. So that adds a different element to it. Army broke a 13-year streak last year. Will Donald Trump be there? He was there last year. Nice. I don't know what the plans are for this year. I know he was there last year, and Nordo and I tried to like get close to him. Uh-huh. We were very. It's amazing how the Secret Service talks to you and how you just comply. Like they don't. They're not like rude about it. Like you know, I run into security people all the time. Yeah. Like people won't let me on the field. They won't let me in the locker room, like for Gopher games. You know how mad that makes me. Yes, like I get super heated about that. Um, but it's mostly because of how they say it. Secret Service. So we're standing there. We see the Escalades or whatever the car is that the Navigators. They're going to take yep. the President Elect at that point from M and T Stadium to Baltimore. So Nordo and I are like, 
well, let's just hang out and see if we can catch a glimpse of him. And we hang for a minute or two and just whatever. And a Secret Service guy just kind of turns around and he's like, and uh, you fellas are going to go around the corner and stand on that side of the wall? <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yes, we will. Like, no problem. Yeah, and it had, we went to the White House a couple of years ago. Same thing. They had, I think, I think we think it was Vice President Biden was coming back to the residence or whatever, coming back to the White House. And we were walking up Pennsylvania Avenue, and a guy on a bike just comes up to us and says, and guys, you're going to turn around, please. Thank you. And that's all. I mean, they don't. It's like they're continuing some kind of conversation that they've had with everybody, but it's only you. Yeah. So I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know if President Trump will be there or not, but I know that I, I, I appreciate how the Secret Service deals with people because it was just, you just immediately comply. You just say, yes, sir. And you turn around. You don't want to get in trouble with the Secret Service. No, no, you don't. No, no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's a really cool game, obviously. Yeah. Cool weekend. There's a lot to it. Um, and I know you've told me this a lot and talked about it a lot, but y- you hear about it. And I'm sure the first time you went, you're like, yeah, this is going to be cool. But then it really is like better than you think. It's cool. And like I said, the game itself is one thing. And then after the game with the alma maters where they all sing on the field, that's another. But even just being in the city, because it does take over the city, and it's cool. It's been in Philadelphia more than any other town um, historically, and so Philly kind of gets how the game is. You know, they kind of appreciate yeah. having it. Everybody appreciates having it. Um, but being around for the Battle of the Bands on Friday night, all the traditions that surround it, uh, everywhere you go, it's beat army. You know, go army, beat navy, go navy, beat army, all of that. Um, and then you've got boxing on Friday night, which is amazing. Right. Like, you know, the cadets in the Corps, they, they, they box, and the fight songs are all going. So it's not even as much. And, <laughs> and you and Nordo get into it. Nordo and I, we definitely get into it, yeah. yeah. But we also, you feel, you feel privileged to be there, and you feel good about kind of where your country is because you have these people. Yeah. Like, you just, the, the amount of character, the, the level of character that you see. We'll talk to the vice admiral of the Navy, basically the president of the school. We'll talk to Lieutenant General Caslin, who's the superintendent at West Point and you hear about what they've done, and, and they tell you about what they've done and why it's important to them, and it's amazing, and it's inspiring. And then you look at yourself, and you're like, what, what a waste of a oh life. I mean, you're just like, what a waste of a good American life here. This is not what these guys signed up to, or, to pr- protect jackasses like us, to allow us to go on our dream, but here we are. Yeah. You know, we're all in it. So it's inspiring and humbling in the same sure. 24 hours. It's really cool. All right, so back to uh, life at hand. Nordo's probably at the airport, belted yeah, up. Most when likely. will you leave your humble abode, and how tight will you make it here for you? What time's your flight? Flight's scheduled one forty-five. Okay, what is your route? Because I want to. We're going to set up a, <laughs> a convoy to block you, yeah, just to teach you a lesson. I want Dylan to have that. Dylan from Total Traffic yeah. to let me know. Um, I always listen to Dylan before I go. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll probably just take four ninety-four. Okay, so there we go. We yeah. need a little road. What time's the flight? Well, it just keeps getting delayed. I just got another alert. See? Thanks a lot, American more, more Airlines. Time. More time. I wish Sun Country flew to Philly. Yeah. Wouldn't have to worry about this crap. No doubt. So Nordo is going to be Nordo is going to be housed <laughs> by the time, <laughs> oh by the time this have to flight carry him in. Yeah, yeah. By the time this flight gets in the air, Nordo is going to be sloppy. So what, what are we delayed to? Uh, it says 240 here. And it was supposed to be 140? 140. Ooh, this is oh, not a good sign. No. This is not They're a good sign. They're cleaning the plane now. That's yeah. Not, yeah, sure they are. This is not a good sign. So anyway, I'll, I'll probably, well, if it's 240, I'll probably be there about 140. All right, three quick things before I let you go. Uh, who do you got, Army or Navy? Mm, Army. Army. Who do you got, Gophers or Razorbacks? Gophers. And who do you got, Vikes or Panthers? Vikes. All right.
right. There I want to go. That's all we win. wanted to know. Yeah, well, safe now. travels. Thanks, Good brother. to see you. Thanks for guy filling just, in today. Rhino, the guy just barges in, wants some airtime. Hey, it's does a beautiful anybody, thing. Does anybody see my son? <laughs> yeah, Jack, <laughs> man, are you around here yeah, somewhere? He's, I've got a three-year-old running around the halls of iHeartMedia right now. Our guy Chad Abbott over here is making all these funny uh, faces faces and stuff, and I'm like, who's over there? I think it's Corey Cove, but I think it's I, I think I, it's probably Jack. I think it's your kid. Or yeah. Meat Sauce. We'll it, see. It, maybe both. Maybe they both have you know the same IQ. Oh, man. Unbelievable. All right, Garden. See you, buddy. Safe travels. Good to see you. All right, we will uh, do news of the day when we come back. It's Grim in for PA 9 to noon on The Fan. You're listening to The Fan. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. Nine to noon rolls on. Time flies when you're having fun. Just an hour left. Where is the time gone? It's unbelievable how fast the show goes sometimes. It is. Mike Grimm in for PAPA as a day off. He'll be back tomorrow for the football feast. And, of course, uh, he'll have the call, the boom at noon on Sunday. Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan Donaldson is producing. Nordo started. He was here uh, for the first hour, and he had to leave at 10 to get to his 240 now flight on American. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it doesn't get further delayed. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so uh, we have heard from Pat Micheletti. We've heard from A.J. Monsoor, Ryan Burns. Justin Gard barged into the studio. He wanted a little airtime. He was feeling a little left out, so we got him on the air uh, with some good notes about what they have going on this weekend. And now it's time to hear from Ryle Donaldson. He has our news of the day. News du Nord. Number All right, Grimmer, we'll start with the National Football League. Some professional football talk for you. Minnesota Vikings injury report looked relatively clean yesterday following Wednesday's practice. Just two players did not participate in practice. That's David Morgan and Mike Remmers. Morgan's out with a concussion. Mike Remmers nursing that lower back injury did not participate yesterday. Pat Elfline banged up C.J. Hamm, Linval Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, and Kendricks all showed up on the injury report, but... They were all full participants yesterday in Wednesday's practice. The Vikings relatively healthy going into this big game on Sunday. And it's a good thing, right? I mean, that that to be this late into the season yes. and to have just a few injuries and to be playing for what they're playing for Saturday or uh, Sunday. Because if you get that win, you win the division, you're in the playoffs, um, you still have stuff to play for. I know we were talking with AJ about the possibility that maybe you rest some people. But as long as home field is still at stake, you have to continue to play. it, And that probably could go to the final week. So... Um, I don't think there's a lot of danger that if they win this weekend, you start resting people. Now, if somebody's dinged up, maybe you sit them because you know that you've got some wiggle room. Uh, Remmers being hurt is a little concerning, but I think Hill's done a pretty good job. He has. He's done pretty well in that stead of Remmers, and I, and I think that I'll expect him to continue doing that until Remmers is back. I think Remmers is getting a little closer, though, so yeah. I don't think it's a long-term you know, I don't think Remmers is done for the year. Yeah, and so knock on wood, hope it continues. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Uh, let's let's cover some more NFL stuff before we move on to number two. But Roger Goodell, as of yesterday, he was already a very rich man, but now he's a very wealthy man. I think there might be a difference, as I uh, <laughs> recite from a Chris Rock stand-up bit from back in the day. Uh, but c- the commish re-ups a contract through 2024. That's going to give him up to $200 million in salary, up to $40 million a year. Uh, that's all kind of pending on these bonuses that that he has to, has to reach in order to get that number. But 
I haven't seen exactly what those incentives are, but Roger Goodell, man, he's locked up through 2024 to be the commissioner well, of the NFL. Yeah, he's overseeing the empire, so you get paid when you oversee the empire. And I think I read this right, and maybe it wasn't in the final contract, but as negotiations were going, he had agreed to actually take a pay decrease. Not a pay bump, but a pay decrease on his base salary. But I think then, in turn, they must have negotiated in that he would get some bigger bonuses if they hit certain spots. But $200 million, that, that's what he stands to make? Not a bad paycheck, Man. if he can get it. Wow. They're just printing money. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Let's get a little update from Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier. I'm sure many people saw it on Monday Night Football. Ryan Shazier went down, could not move his legs, it seemed, on the football field. Well, he has since been transferred from Cincinnati Hospital to the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center facility that the team announced uh, yesterday for treatment and further testing on his spinal injury that he obviously suffered in that first quarter. Uh, the quote from the team says, he will continue tests and evaluations before his medical team provides any further updates on his condition. Uh, the Steelers said in the statement, they also said, quote, we again want to thank the doctors and staff at uh, University of Cincinnati's Health University uh, because they took excellent care of Ryan and that family as well. And Ryan Shazier chimed in with a tweet as well saying, thanks for your prayers. Your support is um, uplifting to me and my family. Hashtag Shayleave. You know, with all the vicious hits in that game, um, and maybe this is the wrong angle to take, but that was the one hit that didn't appear it, like it would cause anything. Seemed like a clean hit just for, a nice, for sure. Just a nice form tackle, and something obviously happened not for the good, that's for sure. And you could tell right away when he flipped back, he reached around, and, I mean, purely speculation, but it, 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 it became clear to me, at least, in watching, and again, speculating that, he could. There was something going on with his legs. He could move his arm because he reached back to feel. Right. And then he held his hands up over his head, uh, and it almost was like, hey, I, you know, something. I don't know. Can't move my legs, or there's something. It's happening. like he and knew almost, was, and you could tell. Yeah. And and so you hope for the best. We don't have a lot of details, but with the uh, no, you know, with the grim nature of the post game, Mike Mike uh, Tomlin was clearly, I mean, happy with the win, but was there was no joy in that post game like you would when you beat a rival. So they know there, you know, there's something. There that hope it's not good, but let's hope it. You know, there's some good resolution to it. No question about it. And the part that rubbed me the wrong way after watching that game was I watched that thing because I had some fantasy football interest too. So I watched that thing till a bitter yeah. end, and it was a very ugly game. Even after that hit, physically, just cheap shot after cheap shot. We had the Juju Smith-Schuster hit on Vontez Perfect. We all know Vontez is a little bit of a cheap shot artist yeah. himself. Some might, including Antonio Brown, say that might be karma. He might have had that coming. But Juju Smith-Schuster suspended by the NFL for that late hit, for that, or not late hit, but a cheap shot, in my opinion, and gloating about it. And then George Iloka took a shot at Antonio Brown in the end zone, tried to take his head off. And George Iloka originally suspended, but he gets his appeal overturned. By the NFL, so he'll actually be eligible to so play. He, they didn't. They didn't uphold the suspension, right? So well, they let him play. That was a little. That that's an interesting. Um, that hit, I thought, was. It, it's always a gray area when a guy catches a pass. How late is too late? Because yes. you want to try to jar the ball out if you're a defensive back. Especially in the end zone. Now you don't want to do what he did, and that's come in like a missile head first, crown up. Uh, or a crown of the helmet facing, and then hit helmet to helmet. I'm I'm a little surprised. I thought that was not the proper approach. That that hit 
is the exact hit they need to legislate out of the game at all levels. So to not uphold that suspension is a little baffling to me. Um, not to mention, you could argue it was probably a late hit in addition to just being a dangerous hit. Like you, like, like the whole point of targeting to the college level uh, and you get kicked out, and I think the NFL is starting to you know discuss that. The whole point of that rule is to eliminate that very play. So for them to say, okay, we're going to overturn it is surprising. Uh, and then on top of it, it might even be late. I mean, the guy had the touchdown. I know you want to jar it out. Uh, so I that, that's surprising to me. I think you got that. That's the exact hit you need to eliminate in the game of football. Number three. I'm with you there, Grimmer. Uh, Wolves 113, Clippers 107. A nice, well rounded win for the Timberwolves. All five starters scored 16 points or more. Carl Anthony Towns led the team in scoring with just 21. So everyone right in that mix. Uh, the Wolves bench is looking pretty depleted, though. Belly. But Nemanja Bielitsa will likely return soon, but he was held out of yesterday's game. The Wolves have now used an eight-man rotation in back-to-back road games, and our big three in Wiggins, Towns, and Butler logging nearly 40 minutes per game. Is that going to hurt them long-term, Grimmer? Yeah, maybe, and that's always been one of the things on on, uh, Tibbs, right, is that he plays his guys and grinds them into the ground. Gibson, 36 minutes. Wiggins, 36 minutes. Towns, 39 minutes. Teague, 37 minutes. And Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, 43 minutes. Unbelievable. Now, Crawford, you mentioned the five and double figures. Uh, Crawford also was in double figures off the bench, so they had six in double figures. He played 17 minutes. Tyus, 11. And uh, Gorgie played 21. And then you're right, no one else played. Uh, Belly with the injury. And then the rest were all coaches' decisions, DNP. And it might hurt them, but I think they're at the point as weird as it sounds, and it's early, and they've only played, what, 23 or 4 games, 26 games, I guess. I, I do think that they felt that game was important last night. They were playing a, a depleted, shorthanded Clippers team that's about to get a couple players back. And what, they had lost two in a row, got to get a win. Um, and if it means we burn somebody out tonight, we'll see what happens when Dallas comes to town. Dallas is a terrible team. Sunday they play them, and maybe they'll... Uh, they'll they'll use the bench a bit more to get guys a rest here. Number four. Let's talk some college hoops as well. Gopher hoops coming off their tough 78-68 loss at Nebraska, and it really wasn't even that close. Uh, they're off till Saturday when they'll head to the SEC country, take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Gophers 8-2 and two on the season. Arkansas sitting at 6-2. and two. Well, I'm, first of all, uh, looking forward to the trip. Uh, heading down there. I've not been to Fayetteville. I've not been on the Arkansas campus. This is one of the fun things from, I mean, guards and I were talking earlier about the travel. Um, and, you know, year in and year out, you're going to Lincoln. You're going to Bloomington, Indiana, Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, those normal places. So the most fun for me is going to some new spots. Never been to Fayetteville. Never, I've been in Arkansas once by like eight miles because I got lost in southern Missouri. Other than that, that was it. Uh, so to see the U, of, the U of A campus down there, uh, Bud Walton Arena, all of those those things, uh, those are fun. Even like the Oregon State football trip this past year. Uh, now that was a long flight, and I promise you the trip home was awful because we had a two-hour bus ride and then whatever it was, a four-hour flight home. Uh, but, you, you know, the fact that they won helped. But though, from, from my standpoint, people don't care about me, I know that, but from my standpoint, I always love the non-conference road games because it's almost always someplace new, something to see, and uh, I, I don't know, catfish maybe is what we're told. Uh, for I'm at the age now, you know, maybe if I, I was telling Nordo earlier off the air, you know, years and years ago, because he said, hey, are those road trips fun? I'm like, yeah. They're great. I love them. Uh, and I like going to new spots. But I'm at the age now that my main concern, we fly in the day before, is give me a nice meal uh, with a local flavor. Uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, no offense to any chain restaurant like Applebee's or Olive Garden or anything, but I can get that here. 
I want a nice, local, famous place, eat, go to the room, do a little game prep, fall asleep, do the game the next day. Maybe when I was 25, we'd have hit the nightclubs, but we're, we're not at that point now. And, and just give me a nice meal. And I'm told catfish or barbecues. Uh, a barbecue is the thing down in Fayetteville. That's fantastic. That game will be heard right here on the fan following the Army-Navy game in the afternoon with uh, Nordo and JG out there nice. in Philadelphia. Number five. How about this? Rafael Palmero. I'm sure you're f- familiar with the name. He's 53 currently, 53 years of age. He last played in 2005. He said he's thinking about making a comeback. He told The Athletic, Quote, there's no doubt in my mind that I can do it. End quote. The oldest player that uh, used to play in the MLB, oldest player ever to play in the MLB was Julio Franco, who was 49 when he retired in 2007. But Rafael Palmeiro would try to make a comeback at age 53. He says, quote, I want to prove to myself that I can do it on a high level, then walk away feeling good about my whole body of work. Well, speaking of his body, the question is, how did he build that body? Right. Remember, he was the guy, right, that finger-wagged Congress saying yep. that, no way, I've never taken you know performance-enhancing drugs. Exactly. And then, what, a year later, he's bounced with performance-enhancing drugs. He's still not in the Hall of Fame, right? I think that, I mean, he clearly would be. I think he's one of just a couple of players that has... Doesn't he have 3,000 hits and 300 home runs and whatever it is? I don't think he has 500 home runs, but um, he would, he'd be a hands-down, probably a first-ballot Hall of Famer if no all question. of that didn't happen. Plus, he's probably penalized because he was so adamant about never finger-wagging Congress and never before had I done it. So the question would be, before you, what team one, would a team sign him at that age? And two, uh, it wouldn't be necessarily a public relations boon. And three, he'd have to take a drug test, right, before anyone would decide that they wanted to bring him on. Because at 53, I mean, what's going on that gets you in shape for uh, Major League Baseball? That's a really good point. I mean, how the hell is he going to get back into playing shape without that stuff? Although, I will say baseball players aren't always in the greatest of shape to begin with. Yeah, that's a good point. There's some good ones that have some chub to them. We like that. Number six. Uh, Last but not least here, uh, some disturbing news, I guess, uh, from this morning. Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon has been accused of sexual harassment and sexual battery in a lawsuit filed by a female employee at a sports marketing firm that will he will take a leave of absence now from his Seattle Seahawks radio broadcast duties. Uh, Moon has denied the allegations, uh, but obviously this is coming fast and furious now. A lot of allegations coming out recently, including just uh, moments ago, yeah. Senator Minnesota Senator Al Franken did indeed address the Congress and resign. Yeah, he said in the coming weeks he'll resign, so it's not necessarily yes. immediate. Um, they probably want to get some things in order. I think Governor Dayton, I don't think, I know Governor Dayton then will appoint a new senator to fill the rest of this term, which then would end at the end of next year. They would have, uh, this will be an, a crazy election next year, certainly in November, because now both Senate seats, in essence, will be open. The governor, uh, not open, will be up for election. Uh, and the governor's race, I think, also is going. So anyone who's a heavy hitter in politics will have their hand in one of these races, one would think. And then there would be a trick down if someone's trying to hop up that spot now could become open as well so it's a free-for-all back on the 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 news at hand um warren moon has had a checkered past right he uh, years ago was was it a battery or something so yeah in the 90s i want to say yeah and and he's always been uh you know i i don't know what to say because you don't want to go down the road you defend you defend hey he seems like a nice guy well he might be a nice guy but not always a nice guy, obviously, it seems like, uh, when you have uh, this kind of uh, uh, you know, accusations thrown your way. Yeah, it's tough because you don't know which one, you know, some, of course, are not going to be as, as, as legitimate as others, and you never know which one to take as seriously as the next. Right. So you got to just kind of 
take let these processes play out a little bit. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on our, our old quarterback, Warren Moon, and see what's going on with him. But, Grimmer, that's all I got for you for today's headlines. Wow, that was excellent. Excellent well, thank news. You. Good work. Ryan Donaldson, we will come back. What do you want to do, take a few phone calls next segment? Let's take calls. Ask Grimmer whatever you want to ask him. I then we got taken, Russo, 1130. I have calls in years. Let's line them up. Let's oh, fill them God. up. When I was the uh, used to be the uh, host of a talk show in St. Louis, uh, we would take calls quite a bit. So it was like, bring uh, as our good friend Darkstar used to say, bring the knuckleball mitt because you never know where you're going when you take That's calls. the beauty of it. Yeah. So we'll take a few calls, whether you want to talk Gophers, Vikes, whatever. And then we have Michael Russo to close the show out coming up near the bottom of the hour. It's Grim in for PA, 9 to noon. News Denord. You're listening to The Fan. Tweet at KFN1003 with hashtag MVP table promo, and you can win VIP table for the Friday football feast in Buffalo Wild Wings in Edina this December 8th. Tomorrow, you must be 21 years of age or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Find all the details, KFN.com, keyword contest. Noon rolls on. PA off today. Mike Grimm in for PA. We're here another oh, 40 minutes or so. We'll talk some hockey with Russo coming up near the bottom of the hour. We're going to put on the knuckleball mid, as Dark Star would say, and uh, take a few phone calls. Open phones. I don't know. Is that what they call them? That's what we used to call them back in the day. So let's take a few phone calls and uh, let's go uh, to Bremer in South Minneapolis. He is on the fan. Bremer, how are we? Uh, good day to you. Happy holiday greeting. Yeah, you too. Oh, I my phone call concerns the Vikings. Okay, NFL Vikings. Yes, sir. Let's hear it. Okay. When I spoke to the greeter, I carried a carry forward too. In addition, one I spoke of uh, WCCO on the radio. I mean, a phone call. They have guaranteed a Vikings Super Bowl victory. No, no, not just yet. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, we do need, or it could be a buy, but I don't know, two offensive Dick Butkuses <laughs> to guarantee uh, through the playoffs because I don't think we're, we're going to get through the two series the first two series you think after that all right so, all right and the other is um the other is a defensive coach who's faster decision thinking he's a railroad dick out west uh-huh united states he's only faster only as correct as the vikings uh defensive coach currently all right that's enough from bremer i think we brought the knuckleball mitt, and I think I just had a pass ball. I warned you, but yeah. I didn't know it was going to get that off the rails. I'm not sure. I, 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 okay. We'll take a couple Bremer, of offensive you. dick buckuses. I'm yeah. not exactly sure what that is, yeah. but we could always use a couple. That yeah. must be someone that hits hard. Uh, let's go to Mark in Lakeville. He is on the fan. Mark, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, about 10, 15 minutes ago, you were talking about the hit by the uh, Steeler linebacker. Yeah. 
Rayburn, and you thought it was a a, a normal play. That was I, w- I would disagree. I think it was probably the most dangerous thing you can do on a uh, on any kind of athletic field. He lowered his head and the top of his head, the neck, yeah, and the spine all lined up, and it was it, it's the most. It, it, he set himself up. Well, for sure, for sure, it, it, and it wasn't by any means a textbook tackle. It, uh, it's what's not taught, in fact. Well, the, the true. I mean, in terms of lowering the head and hitting with the crown of the helmet, but in terms of where he was lowering, uh, lowering his tackling zone, he broke down properly with his knees and his waist and bent there. And and the only issue, and it only because it became a huge issue, is the fact that he lowered his head. Otherwise, you're right, correct. It, it, but I'm saying when you watch that live, it you know you needed the slow motion to figure out what was the deal. That was my point. It wasn't that it was the perfect form tackle. But you're 100. percent You lower the crown or you lower the chin and force the crown of the helmet to be the first thing that contacts, and that's it. But I'm saying when you watch that live, given the other hits where you had helmet to helmet, you had this vicious crackback block uh, that was you know that could kill somebody with the violence of that. When you watch this one live, it looked innocent. Obviously, in the slow motion, he dropped the helmet and you saw it. That was what I was saying. But in terms of the form of it, he broke, he bent at the knees and the waist. Uh, he lowered the target so that it wasn't helmet to helmet, but where he made the mistake mark you're right is he dropped the helmet and led with the head all right thank you appreciate it bob in rosemont bob you're on the radio hey mike it's good to hear you thank you um just got a question yesterday uh Glenn mason was on with ferrero and he he made a comment about the poor quarterbacking state of the big 10 he said and it's been a while now mm-hmm. he said i mean boy you compare the quarterbacks in the mac to the quarterbacks in the big 10 and they sure are turning out a lot more of the pro prospects as opposed to the Big Ten. You know, what, what's your thought on this crop of QBs, and does Vic Veramontes have a shot, I mean, to be anything more than just, you know, a placeholder, essentially, for the Gophers? Yeah, who knows? I mean, we don't know. The, heck, the kid had, like, what, 21 rushing touchdowns and 22 throwing touchdowns, but I don't know what kind of competition that junior college in California he played at is. Um, it looks like he has a good arm. Obviously, he's mobile, uh, and he's got good size. Uh, when Michigan recruited him initially as a quarterback, he's a good enough athlete that they said, nah, maybe we want you as a linebacker. I think that's good news in the sense that uh, he can, you know, he, he's an athlete. Uh, it isn't great news in the sense that Michigan maybe didn't want him initially, you know, after watching him some more as a quarterback. But I think he put up good enough numbers. Cal was sold enough on him, and, and then when the coaching change happened, that changed things. But I, Mace is is 100% right. Uh, you know, the Big Ten uh, West especially didn't have anybody uh, really that was very good quarterbacking. Uh, you know, Nebraska's quarterback was highly touted coming in from Tulane when he had a bunch of touchdowns, and he threw a bunch of interceptions, and they didn't have a very good year, and their coach got fired. Uh, the kid at Iowa was pretty good on some weeks, and then, you know, he couldn't do anything against Wisconsin. Uh, he didn't do much in a couple of other games. He was Big Ten Player of the Week twice, though, right? I think he uh, had the big game at Iowa State and then the big game at Ohio or against Ohio State. Had a nice week against Nebraska, but everybody late in the year had a big week against Nebraska. Illinois doesn't have a quarterback. Minnesota needs this JUCO to become good to get a quarterback. Um, I think the kid at Iowa can become an All Big Ten caliber player. I think there's some impressive uh, skill set there. Um, you know, Purdue's guy was a guy, but they got to a bowl game. So. So, uh, but there is something there. I don't know what it is, and I see it in basketball too. Sometimes I do think that 
you fall for the wow factor and the AAU uh, thing in basketball, and you forget that it's still a, a game of skill in basketball. And um, a guy can run and jump and do those things, but if you can't shoot and you can't move your feet to play defense, um, it, you're not going to be a great player in the Big Ten. You can't in this league, in a possession league, where it's uh, a half-court game more often than not, you can't. Just athlete your way into 20 points. You need a skill set. And I think the quarterback situation has gotten that way some, too. Even the young guy that came in late for the fighting Illini, um, Wilson, Cam Wilson, I think was his name. He um, he had all the tools. He's 6'5", he's 205, uh, can run, can move. He couldn't, he couldn't throw. Got to have a brain in between be those able, ears, too. You, you got to be able to throw the football accurately at any level if you're going to win uh, big, and that's the case in the Big Ten, too. So I think sometimes it's a case of misdiagnosis uh, where you fall in love with the athleticism, but you forget there's a skill involved, and I see it in basketball quite a bit. Teams that shoot the ball win. It's that simple. Go recruit shooters. If I was, I mean, it's easy for me to say I've never coached, but if I were a big-time coach, I'd just go find shooters. And it sounds, it, it sounds simple, but guys... Don't fall in love with shooters. They fall in love with guys that can run and jump. And running and jumping is an important skill, but the point of the game, the skill, is to get into the ball, into the basket. And with the three-point shot evolving the way it is, you need shooters, and to win consistently, you have to do that. All right, we appreciate it. Hey, we we uh, I think we we caught the last two okay number yeah. balls. Yeah, All we're right. two for three ain't bad. <laughs> Not bad, 667. If you were a batter, you'd be in the Hall of Fame at 667. <laughs> we'll take a break. Michael Russo from The Athletic. We'll talk wild hockey next. You're listening to The Fan. in downtown Los Angeles. Face-off win by the Kings and a quick jump. Score! But Pitar won the face-off. I think it's Gabrick that took the shot. And it's 4-2 it in favor of LA. Boy, Gabrick, that was like the Gabrick of old. He got rid of that one in a hurry. Our remaining moments here on the PA Project. Grim in for PA, 9 to noon here on the fan. We're going to talk some wild hockey wild at Anaheim tomorrow. You can hear it right here on the fan. 9 is the opening faceoff. 8.45 with our guy Kevin Fulness and the pregame show right here. To help us break it down from The Athletic, we have Michael Russo. And, Michael, good to chat with you. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. What the heck happened the other night? I'm in Nebraska uh, getting on the plane to fly home after the Gophers laid an egg, and it's, I think, 2-1 wild. I'm thinking, okay, good. And then uh, I land, hop in the car, and it's 5-2 final. What happened? Uh, Well, it started with just a a really bad uh, mistake by Matt Dumba, and uh, the wild were on their heels the rest of the period, uh, up 2-1 on the road in the third period. Um, He got his... Bruce Boudreau called it excited and, and decided to pinch in recklessly through traffic um, turnover. And then not only that, he exasperated it by by uh, going for a check that he really had no business making. And next thing you know, two-on-one with Suter back. Suter didn't play it well, and, and Gabrick buried it like uh, the Gabrick of old, as, as Bob Kurtz just said. And two-two, and then, you know, the Wild were generating absolutely nothing the next eight minutes. Still, it looks like you're six minutes away from getting overtime. And um, in a very sloppy, unfocused uh, way, uh, Devin Dubnik put a puck that was heading to the corner right off his own defenseman's uh, skating in. And, and it just continued a trend of, of uh, really bad 
uh, you know, we call them fluky, but yeah. let's just call them bizarre goals against Devin Dubnik in, 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 a, in a way that just can't happen. And, uh, this team is a fragile team. Last year, when these things, this adversity would happen to them in games, they'd be able to recover from it, no problem. And, and this year, it looks like a completely different team. And, uh, you know, the other thing that happened, Mike, the other night is the first and second lines were absolutely invisible. Mm. Um, you know, guys like, uh, Niederreiter throwing pucks away, um, not going to the net, uh, Koivu, uh, again, just not, not producing anything. And, uh, the, the, this team really has to get back on track here. Bunch of follow-ups on that. I want to go to back to Dumba, which you said uh, his mistake kind of started the the uh, spiral out of control. Um, I know earlier in the year you had another play like that where he ended up, I think, getting benched the rest of the night. Is there a concern with where he's at right now development-wise? I remember at one point people thought this guy was headed toward being one of the top handful of defensemen in the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw it on the overtime winner just the game before. I mean, offensively, he's got amazing uh, uh, speed and talent. Uh, a great shot, and uh, three on three, he was explosive the other night. But uh, for somebody that that you know doesn't pile up a ton of points, uh, the, the goals that he gives up defensively at times becomes really alarming. And you know, that was a, a play the other night where it's just thinking the game. It's situational hockey. You've got to be smarter. And unfortunately, like that, I, you know, with a guy like Matt, I mean, it's almost like you got to sit there and, and explain to him situations in game explicitly going into a period to, to get him under control. And um, so that, you know, part of it's Matt, he's got to be smarter, but part of it is the coaches. Uh, you know, you almost got to sit there and say, Matt, do not do this now. Mm. Um, and that's a play the other night. I mean, there's, there's a fine balance because in the morning, I'll tell you, you know, Bruce was kind of bemoaning the fact that they never go for the kill. And so if, if something good happens in that situation, you say, what a great play by Matt Dumba. So it's a fine balance, and a lot of it is kind of revisionist what happened on the play and, and how it affected them, and, and, and you blame them on that. But if something good happens, um, you, you know, you credit him. But that's a situation where you've got, you got to weigh the pros and the cons. And it's not like it was a pinch that, that really could have created anything. He went, he cut right through the traffic, and then unfortunately, you have Marcus Foligno with the puck on your on his stick, who's not the most offensively gifted player, and and it, it just there's nothing good that was going to come of that play, and so that's where you just kind of got to say in your head, you know what, I'm going to live to fight another day and go for it the next shift, and where the Wild uh, can be good at times is when they when they kind of do what L.A. did the other night and wait for the opponent to make a mistake and then go for it. And you had to know that that game, that the L.A. Kings would come out to push. So if, if the Wild played a safer beginning of that period, you were probably going to get your offensive chances on counterattack. And instead, it was the Wild uh, getting a little itchy there, and, and they made the mistake. Michael Russo with us from The Athletic. He joins us from California. The Wild on their West Coast trip have Anaheim tomorrow night. Uh, you mentioned these unlucky bounces and bizarre, fluky, weird goals going in, and it does seem like Dubnik over the last two years has had a bunch of them. Is there a point where, I mean, would, would some goalies, even on the weird stops, like you bounce it off the defenseman in front of you and it trickles, would they be able to swipe it? I mean, is there... I mean, is it just coincidence, all these, or is there something that is happening here with him? Well, I mean, this has been an ongoing trend. I mean, it's been three years of this. And so, um, you know, I mean, some of them are just, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, the play with that, that uh, the Gabbert shot that was just perfectly re- redirected off Dumba um, in Winnipeg earlier this year, the, the power play shot that was perfectly redirected off Koivu, um, you know, you know the, the one in Boston that was perfectly caromed in off Suter. 
I mean, some of them, there's nothing you could do, but some of them is, I mean, you do have to look at him as just being more focused. And that play the other night shouldn't have happened. And that's what's so frustrating. I mean, you know, it is a nothing shot going to the corner. And if you're going to do anything, you want to, you know, just help direct it to the corner to go forward with it. And the other thing that we forget that I, I was watching when I watched the game over again yesterday is, is the shift before that mistake, or maybe two shifts before that mistake, he had another play where he almost put the puck right in front of his net, behind the net, uh, playing the puck. So, you know, he's just got to be more focused. And, and so that's one the other day where it's like, yeah, um, you know, and Dudnik did throw Dumbo under the bus there, and a lot of guys did the mistake that he made on the two-on-one from the far blue line uh, in a game that shouldn't have happened. But that's one where, you, you know, Doobie has to be better as well, and, and that was the winning goal. And, um, so you know, six minutes from getting a point, it's just it's not acceptable. Yeah, and, and the follow-up, because we as wild, people who watch Wild, I'm not talking about you, but just fans in general, we only know what we know. So we watch 80 games of the Wild and probably not a lot of other hockey. Do you think, like, if, if uh, you know, there's fans in Philly or fans in Montreal, they're on, I mean, we only know what we know. I mean, do other goalies have, you know, 20 bad goals or 12 bad goals and we just are kind of living all in our own little world here? Or is this a yeah, well, issue? No, it's a good point. I mean, I watch a lot of hockey, and and but yeah, I still get tunnel vision with the Wild, and it it does seem like an inordinate amount of them going off him. Um, but you're right. I don't I don't watch 82 uh, Flyers games or 82 uh, Oilers games, so I'm sure that other fans bemoan it. But man, <laughs> I mean, it is it is unbelievable the amount of goals that that do this to Dubnik and. And, you know, again, it's consistency with him. Uh, you know, he, he's given up a ton of game goal, uh, games this year where he's given up four or more goals. And, um, but then he, in between there, he plays out of his mind against the Blues and completely steals them, uh, you know, really two points that they had no right getting. So the, what, what the Wild really need is Dubnik to get back to being sharper on a consistent basis. Um, to help the team out because that was a game the other night. Like, look, there, there's nothing that he could have done on the two on one. I mean, that, you know, it was a bad, bad mistake in the offensive zone. Sue didn't play it great. And it's their two best players coming down offensively, two best skilled players in Kopitar and Gabrick. I mean, there's nothing he could have done there. But that's still a game that you got to get a point out of, and he didn't get it done. Uh, he, of course, has been rotating, and he gets most of the work. But uh, Stalock has been, uh, uh, you know, put in there at times too. Are you good with kind of how that rotation has worked? Uh, did somebody getting more, or is, it, is that about what you think should be the way it goes? Well, I mean, there, there is going to come a point where they're going to have to make a decision whether or not they want to use them more because, uh, you know, Dubnik's goals against now is in the two eight range, which is just not good. And and um, you know, but. Stalock's last time out, he gave up a touchdown. So, so not, not, I mean, that was as bad as the Wilds ever played. And honestly, it probably would have been two touchdowns if it wasn't for Stalock. So I'm not blaming him. But I'll be interested to see what happened. I mean, I think it was very obvious that coming into this trip that, that they had him penciled in to play his first ever game in San Jose on uh, Sunday. So the question is, do you, do you change that up and maybe go with Stalock tomorrow in Anaheim? And if he plays well, go with him Sunday? Or, you, you know, I'll be interested. Uh, my guess. Total guess. I really have no idea. Is that Dubnik starts uh, tomorrow in Anaheim and Stalock still goes Sunday? But we'll we'll see. I don't know if we'll get that idea today at practice, uh, but we'll certainly find out tomorrow at the morning skate. You did a great job in the off season, and then had another really good article on Matt Cullen and his return home and all the factors that went into that. Uh, numbers wise, he hasn't been very good. I mean, statistically, what 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 do you make of Matt Cullen so far in his homecoming this year? 
Yeah, he hasn't been very good, and, and it is becoming an issue, and clearly there's a disconnect between Bruce Boudreaux and Matt Cullen and how Bruce thinks he's playing and how Matt thinks he's playing. You know, Matt has not found the right fit yet, um, but he hasn't played overly great, and he's been on the ice for a ton of goals against. Uh, the game the other night, he was a plus one. It was his first plus game since October 28th. He had been a minus 10, I believe, his last 10 games, minus eight his last nine, and, and uh, so, you know, he's um, you know, and after that Winnipeg game that he was, uh, you know, partly responsible for three goals against, it was very glaring. Um, again, after the Vegas game where he was on for another goal against that Matt Cullen, who was brought in, if anything, to be a penalty killer, only played 26 seconds on the PK against the Blues when the Blues had 10 minutes of almost 10 minutes of uh, power play time. So, um, you know, Matt's got to be better. But I will say this, um, you know, I wrote the story yesterday, and I've since found out that I think he got hurt at the end of the Kings game, which could have uh, precipitated the Erickson Eck call-up. We'll find out at practice here in three or four hours um, if Matt's on the ice. But my, my gut right now says that we might not be seeing Matt for a little bit. Yeah, and do you think, you mentioned fit, do you think this stuff is more fit? Or do you think, I mean, hey, is you know, father time does have a way of catching up at some point. I mean, he was, he's been good, but he is, uh, you know, not a young man anymore. Yeah, um, I, I do think he's probably insulated in Pittsburgh. I mean, you're playing fourth-line minutes, getting up, getting elevated late in games, and things like that. And I think that's probably been a little bit of Matt's uh, frustration level since coming back here is that, you know, he knows he's 41 and he knew he was going to be signing her in the fourth line, you know, to be a fourth liner. But he also feels that, you know, eight minutes a night is not going to get his uh, body going the way that it needs to in a game. And he thought in tight games, late in the game, he'd be going out for big draws or, or to, you know, maybe be elevated to a top nine role and put Charlie Coyle at the wing and, and just be able to put him in, um, you know, in situations uh, that would, would help him. And he hasn't felt like that's happened. And so, you know, I, I do wonder if Matt's going to be here toward the end of, you know, to, toward the end of the season. If the if the Wild do fall out of a playoff spot, I could see him easily being traded back to a, either a playoff contender or most likely Pittsburgh again. Um, or if it's just not working out in the second half, maybe the Wild need to look to upgrade their fourth line center position. Um, and again, look to to trade Matt. I've got to think that any um, any playoff contender would have uh, use for him, and certainly Jim Rutherford would in Pittsburgh. Michael Russo with us from the Athletic. Um, you you sounded a bit pessimistic there in the sense that uh, the Wild may be falling. I mean, obviously they're not in the playoffs as of right now. If it were to start tomorrow, they're tenth. Uh, I mean, is this a playoff team? What do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's alarming when when Bruce Boudreau and Ryan Suter and all these guys after the game the other night are saying that they are a totally different team than last year. I mean, last year they had an almost identical record uh, going into the month of December when they reeled off 12 wins in a row and, and set themselves up to, to finish with the second most points in the conference. And we asked, um, or reporter asked Bruce if, if there are similarities between this team and last team. Uh, last year's team going into the game the other night, and Bruce said, I think it's a very different team. And his point was very clear, that they have had a lot of turnover and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence with this team. Their their top six is not nearly as deep as it was last year, and their third and fourth lines are certainly not nearly as good as they were last year. So that's a big problem, and, and you need depth to go a long way. And so I'll be interested to see if Eric Sinek can fill in here and, and bring some of the confidence that he brought – that he. Um, might have gotten in Iowa the last uh, two or three weeks, um, getting a point a game down there, if he could bring that up here. You know, the, I, what I like about Eric Sinek is he's so responsible and, and um, you know, he's a great straight-line four, straight four checker and things like that. But at some point, you got to get a, a point every now and then, and he wasn't doing that at all here. So they, 
they they would love to get him uh, scoring up here and eventually maybe get Cunning up here. But but I I really look at this roster as not being nearly you know to me it's it's clear they got worse um, in the off season. Now they had all sorts of challenges, um, both cap wise and and um, expansion wise and all sorts of things that they had to manipulate around to to try to you know put together uh, this roster. But whatever the reasons. Um, and the, the excuses for for it, they're a worse team, and and so in a in a conference where it's hard to see teams like the Winnipeg Jets just falling off, I mean that's the way I look at it. Is you look at the top eight right now, and who's just going to completely back out? Yeah. Um, and it's scary that a team like Chicago Blackhawks, who you know eventually is going to figure it out, they're not in it right now. So I mean, the question is. Um, who are the Wild going to overtake to get into that top eight? And I just think they're going to be they're going to be clawing for a wild card spot all year long. Yeah, and not only maybe are they worse from a personnel standpoint, but then even some of the guys they have have been injured. I mean, it's documented. You know, they missed Coil for a while, Needle for a while, Granlin. Uh, Parisi hasn't uh, skated one minute yet. What's the latest on Parisi? Uh, Parisi uh, started skating uh, the last couple of weeks uh, with Diane Ness. He'll eventually, as long as he keeps on progressing. Um, uh, start skating with Andy Ness, who's, uh, Diane's son and who's the skills and, and, uh, and skating coach for the, with the Wild. And he's the one that really gets guys back, uh, from injury, uh, putting through the, the ringer there on the ice. And so, there, you know, we haven't, um, uh, I haven't gotten an update in the last couple of weeks on if he's continued to progress, but the hope is that he can come back some point here early in the new year. Um, and then, you know, the, the hope is, even though the league is probably going at, a Two hundred miles per hour. The hope is that you're going to have a fresh Zach Parisi. That when maybe when guys are getting tired down the stretch, you have a, a real fresh guy that can that can help. I mean, you're right. I mean, Zach Parisi has been a huge loss for this team. Um, they certainly need him back. They certainly could use him back, and then maybe that's going to be a jolt the Wild will need at some point when he uh, gets back, hopefully. And then anything new on Jared Spurgeon? Um, you know, I was uh, the Wild have been saying kind of day to day. They, you know, and I've been reporting four to six weeks for a while, so. Um, uh, my sources are usually pretty good, and, and so I don't think that we're going to see Jared back for at least a month. Well, um, you know, they say at this point three weeks, and that's that's a huge loss for this this team. I mean, I think all Wild fans that watch this team, um, you know, a lot know how good Jared Spurgeon is and how absolutely integral he is to this team. And and you saw it the other night. Um, Matt Dumbo would not have been on the ice in that situation, and and uh, Ryan Suter would not have been back having to defend that two on one. Um, and so, you know, you, you thin out an already thinner blue line uh, by, by by having Spurgeon out of lineup. It's the uh, Wild in Anaheim tomorrow here on the Fan 9 o'clock uh, opening face-off, 845 with Fallness and the crew on the radio here. What can you tell us about Anaheim and what will uh, Minnesota need to do tomorrow to uh, get some points? Well, I watched their game last night, and they looked really good. And, uh, you know, they've, they've added some pieces here. Had a huge trade with, uh, with New Jersey last week to get Adam Henrique on this, uh, on this team. And I think Wild fans remember, in fact, that Henrique created that overtime winner against the Wild just a couple weeks ago, uh, with New Jersey. And, you know, right now, Anaheim's trying to claw themselves back in the, in the, uh, into a playoff spot. Uh, they, they have one less win than the Wild. Um, they've been very frustrated. Uh, all year long, and, and that's kind of what I mean again by you just know eventually teams like Chicago and Anaheim are going to you know put themselves on a run here to get them, and maybe even Calgary uh, to get themselves back into uh, playoff position. And that's why the Wild uh, they've got to they've got to start peeling off some points here. Uh, the Ducks have been getting great goaltending, but they've had a lot of injuries this year with guys like Getzlaff and Kessler and people like that. Uh, so tomorrow is a big game going into a very tough game in San Jose where the Wilds often don't play very well. All right. As always, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thank you. 
Yep, anytime. All right, Michael Russo from The Athletic. Best wild coverage, no doubt. You can hear that game tomorrow here, 9 o'clock, Minnesota and Anaheim. That brings to a close. Our 9 to noon common is coming up. I want to thank Ryan Donaldson and Eric Nordquist. We had Pat Micheletti, A.J. Monsoor, Ryan Burns, Justin Gard, ambushed us. He got on the air a little bit. And, of course, Michael Russo. Our thanks to all of those folks as well. Hope you enjoyed it. PA is back tomorrow. It's a Friday football feast and, of course, Vikings football on Sunday. This has been Mike Grimm. It's been fun. Have a great day. It's 9 to noon. of today's show, visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.